Hi guys, welcome and welcome back to the podcast. I've been meaning to watch that. I'm your host, Monica. And guys, new week, new guest, new topic, new pod. You already know what it is. Uh, we are back again. And this week I have a special guest on the pod today. He is someone that I discovered from TikTok. He is someone that likes to talk about, you know, new TV shows, releases. Um, recently, he started talking about Shelter on Amazon Prime on his TikTok. He's recently been to TIFF 2023, you know, the film festival, y'all know what it is. Um, and I would like everybody to give a very warm welcome to a very special guest of mine. Uh, everyone say hi to Jurgen. Yeah. Hi, everybody. Hi. I'm so happy to be here. This is so exciting. Yes, Jurgen, thank you so much for joining us today. I know that, you know, you have a great TikTok page, um, but do you do anything else on the interwebs or like, you know? Yeah, else? so originally, I didn't actually start on TikTok. I originally mm-hmm. started as a feature writer for this website called Collider. That was my first big writing job. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, I decided to start my own blog. So I just kind of kept up with movie reviews and criticisms and feature writing on my website, which is jurgensosa.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, people, you got to go where the people are and where they're going to hear you. And a lot of that is on TikTok now. So I kind of pivoted and now I started to do videos and stuff and those are taking off as well. And obviously great things are happening. Now I get to be here talking to you. So yeah. it seems like things are going pretty well and I'm honestly just love talking about movies in any way that i can so it's really fun that everybody on tiktok has just embraced that love of movies and embraced me like that awesome so great to hear guys i am so happy to have you here i'm so happy to have you here jurgen um so this week we're gonna be talking about a very amazing trilogy that you can find on of course your favorite streaming service which is netflix it is the fear street trilogy Okay, we're going to be diving deep into everything regarding this R-rated set of slasher films. Um, And they are based on an R.L. Steen book, right? They're based on... Yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah. The guy who did Goosebumps. Yeah. (laughs) The guy who did Goosebumps also wrote this book series, which the movie is about, which the movies are about. But before we get into that, we're going to hop into our um, first segment. Now, recently... Um, we made a change to the podcast where since the writer strike was going on, we would spend the beginning part of the podcast talking about the writer strike, giving updates and showing our support. Recently, uh, the WGA has reached a tentative deal with the AMPTP, which is amazing. We're so happy for that. And right now, SAG-AFTRA, of course, they have to go to the table to meet with, um, you know, film studios and AMPTP so they can also reach a tentative deal. So that's going on right now and i just want to show my love and support for sec afra because i'm very glad that the writer trick is over i'm glad that writers are able to you know get their fair pay compensation and that their demands have been met that is amazing and i can only hope and wish that the actors also have the terms in their deal met as well which many people know is fair compensation and pay for television actors as well as film actors also dictating fair compensation for stunt workers dance performers and then you know the topic of ai and how that'll be utilized in the entertainment industry moving forward and with that being said that is a little little bit piece of news that i want to put out there another bit of news that i discovered this week was that Beyonce is releasing 
a movie version of her concerts in all AMC theaters. And I am still. And we're going to be there. Yes. Yes. Because guess what? Yep. I was too broke to go to the concert, but I'll be there in the movie theater. I'll I'll be seated. We're going together. (laughs) Bro, you and me, baby. Don't. Are you in the States? Because I kind of thought you were in Toronto. No, I am. I'm actually based in Toronto. But I'll get on that flight, boo, and we will watch the Renaissance tour together, baby. Yes, yes. And I feel like watching it in the movie theater, I know it's going to be kind of like Homecoming, you know, where it's like, it's a concert, but it's also kind of a documentary, you know what I mean? And I think that it'll be fun, because there are certain parts of the concert that you always see a TikTok, okay? First, there's um, the Heated song, but she goes into like the whole like you know, chant that she does. And then there is the diva mashup. There is, um, wow, now I'm forgetting songs. Cozy, which transitions into, you know, the next song and her doing like, there's so many, like there are certain points of the concert that of course are like very popular on TikTok and I constantly see them all the time. So I hope that the documentary at least focuses on parts of the concert that aren't you know, that popular online and aren't like that well known. That way we get like a, a little bit, a little bit, like a little piece of the action. I mean, yeah. so yeah, I'm excited about that. I do know that like, I didn't realize this until yesterday because I was looking through the my MC app and I was like, hmm, what movies are right now? Did you know that Taylor Swift is also releasing <laughs> a concert movie? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I did know that actually. And I will also be watching that one as well. <laughs> Um, I'm gonna be honest to say I'm not the biggest Swifty, you know. Okay, that's yeah. okay. Like, people, I, people are gonna find where you live now, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, you're welcome to figure out where I live. That's fine. That's okay because I'm not scared of y'all. Okay, <laughs> it is what it is at the end of the day. And I think I stopped seeing Taylor Swift when I was like 15. I did start re-listening to her because a lot of Heartstopper fans are also Taylor Swift fans. So a lot of the edits that they make on TikTok are Taylor Swift songs. And one of her songs played at the end of Heartstopper season two. And I didn't know this. And then people kept like using it in edits. And I was like, oh, oh, that's who it is. Okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, nice. I like that song. (laughs) I do love her. I'm a, I'm a, not like a huge Swifty, but I do I do like her a lot. Yeah. Her. I've always listened to her. She's an icon to me. Yeah, I mean, Taylor Swift, incredibly talented, beautiful young woman, great performer, great writer, you know, a good singer, lots of beautiful outfits, beautiful gowns, you know. So mm-hmm. we'll just have to, um, I'm just very excited to see um, both of those. Why not? I don't know if I'll see the cons- the Eras tour in theaters because I won't know any of the songs, but I'm happy for Renaissance and I'm excited for it and I'm happy for the fifties, is what I should say. Yeah. Yes. Agreed. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, there have been some other interesting developments, I guess, coming out. Um, there is the Priscilla. Um, biopic that's coming out very yes. soon. Yes. With Jacob Elordi of Euphoria yeah. fame. How do you yeah, feel he's, about... He's doing Elvis. Yeah. 
He's playing Elvis. After Austin Butler literally slayed the role just a year ago. And now someone else is trying to take the crown. I think this one, from what I can gather, is mm-hmm. kind of like an opposite interpretation. I think he's supposed to be like, it's more the perspective of Priscilla and Elvis being a little bit toxic and manipulative and more like how Jacob Elordi is in his character Nate in Euphoria. I think that's kind of why they casted him as that, because they saw how he could act in that way. Mm-hmm. But I think it's going to be really interesting because the Baz Luhrmann Elvis movie was really pumping Elvis's tires. It was that kind of biopic. It really just like focused on the fact that he was a legend and you know all the good things about Elvis. And I think the A24 version is going to be a little bit more um, of a Priscilla perspective. Because mm-hmm. I think there was a lot mm-hmm. of things that went wrong in the relationship between them that people don't really know about. Yeah. Yeah. And um, Jacob Elordi did say in the interview that he tried to look at Elvis less of like this icon and this legend, but basically breaking him down into being a normal person. And that helped him play him a little bit better, which is good. And honestly, I am excited for this movie simply because I just want to see Jacob Elordi in something else. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know when you have like an actor and you like them, you think, okay, you know what? You're in this thing and you're doing well. Now, let's see you in another project. You know what I mean? Because it was Euphoria and there was Kissing Booth. And I was saying here, like, he needs to put something else in that film. He needs to put something else on the IMDb, please. Like, <laughs> I need a new project. Quickly. Please. Quickly. <laughs> so, Priscilla, hopefully, will be something that is... Um, I'm just hoping that it's good. Like, that's just... That's all I'm hoping for. Like, I get, to, I hope that I watch the movie and I'm like, you know what? I like this. I had fun with this. I enjoyed it. It was great. So, good job, buddy. You know, that's all I want to see. Because there are a lot of times where... You see certain actors in like their one spot, like a lot of the Stranger Kid things. No, nope. The Stranger Things kids, they <laughs> kind of just stick to Stranger Things. But you see like Millie Bobby Brown and then like Finn and other stuff. But you don't see the other kids and like other projects. And I want to see like Noah Schnapp and like a biopic. I want to see Caleb McLaughlin. Well, he was in another movie. Um, I forget the name. He has acted. He does sing a little bit. But you kind of want them to like expand their horizons and like broaden you know their search and like try new projects and do different things so i am yeah hopeful for priscilla because i'm not really a fan of biopics if i'm being honest um i have like i've talked about biopics a lot on my po- podcast and it's never been nice you know i've never had nice things to say about biopics i guess yeah they're not my cup of tea either they're not gonna be what i put on for movie night most mm. of the time yeah yeah it's true and i remember um this is a random piece of news i remember but like there are two uh mike tyson biopics that are going to be made one with jamie fox and one with um crap i keep forgetting his name the guy from moonlight oh my gosh his name is right mahershala there. ali no, the main guy from Moonlight. No. Mahershala Ali playing Mike Tyson? I mean... I mean, I can see it. I can see it. I, I can do no wrong. I He's a very talented actor. You know, he's very talented. He do it all. Yeah. <laughs> he's but, played. He's going to be played next year. 
Oh yeah, he is like gonna be Blade. Yeah, I feel like he could he could do it all. That man, I trust him to do whatever. I actually for Blade. Okay, it was Trevante Rhodes that I was talking about. Yeah, he's gonna be mm. with Tyson. But for Blade, oh. yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh. All right. <laughs> I'll be watching that. I will be also in front row for that. Yes, movie. we will be tuning in. You know. Because Jamie Foxx can do, like, a Mike Tyson impersonation, but, like, Trevante could, like, embody the role of Mike Tyson. You know what I mean? Absolutely the body. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he definitely does, like, look like him, you know? So, I feel like those are two completely different, like, paths that those projects will go on. But you brought up Blade, and it's kind of crazy with everything going on with, like, COVID-19 like the aftermath of the pandemic and then of course the writer's strike and how there have been many projects that have kind of been put on the back burner blade being one of them that this yeah. movie should have this it should have came out this year right blade yeah i think it should have been out like actually now probably around this time mm -hmm. i think they were trying to do a fall release this year originally i don't know when it's gonna come now but i i don't even know if they've written the script yet to be honest, like the only the last piece of news we really got about Blade was the fact that Mia Goth was cast in the film, but also like, why are we still casting people in a movie that's supposed to be filmed? What's going on? I have no, I have no idea. I think that whole MCU is just a mess at the moment, yeah. which I feel like we would have to do an entire other episode just to talk about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the there's a lot. There's a lot going on with the MCU. Also DC, as well. Like, it's a mess. The superhero world's a mess, <laughs> girl. I mean, the like last four DC like... movies that have come out have flopped hugely, like huge flops. Which again, we can't even get into that because we'll literally be here for a million years. Because mm -hmm. I could go off about the Flash. I could go off about all of them. Like, yeah, really, I could. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so before we jump into a tangent, we're just going to jump into the meat and the potatoes of the podcast, which is talking about Fear Street, the phenomenal supernatural slasher film trilogy that released in 2021 on Netflix. And it was directed by Leigh Janik. Janik? I hope I said that last name right. And it is based off of a book series by the same name written by R.L. Stein. And this, you know, trilogy set is set in okay, this trilogy is set in the small town of Shadyside. Not Sunnyside, Shadyside. And the trilogy follows a curse that is been taking over the town for far too long. Centuries even. And the movie follows fighting out about the curse finding the truth of the curse, and then breaking the curse. In that order. And I have to say, <laughs> I have to say, um, usually, I can handle a slasher. You know what I mean? Like, you know what you're signing up for if you're watching a horror movie. You know, either somebody's getting possessed, someone's gonna die, there's some kind of suspense in there, and they're gonna be twist. So you kind of, like, prepare yourself for this. But... I don't think I was really ready for everything that happened in these three movies. Especially the second one. I feel like the second one is the bloodiest. Like, 
that is definitely the bloodiest for sure and i mm-hmm. think the director actually said because i think they filmed them out of order and i think the 1978 was filmed last mm-hmm. and uh in an interview with collider i think she even said that by the end of the film because they filmed all three back to back Mm-hmm. So by the time they got to 1978 and they were filming some of those last scenes, which are probably the most gruesome, she kept saying that she was just so tired. So whenever the crew would come up to her and ask for notes, she would just be like, more, just do more blood, more <laughs> I can't, like, I can't even talk right now. And She's so like, they just kept it rising, rising, rising. And I think that's why it's so bloody and so outrageous. Mm-hmm. She's like, just heighten it. Just hide, don't ask me for anything specific. Just <laughs> put more in it. Gosh, like we're trying to make a horror movie here and I can't think. Yeah. So yeah, it's definitely the bloodiest and the most, like the craziest in terms of the kills for sure. Yeah. Yes. And we're gonna get started talking about it. We're gonna start with part one in 1994, and I just want to say, <laughs> I love that like a lot of Sasha probes follow the scream formula. And what I mean by that is that you take your most recognizable actor and you kill them straight up in the beginning. Yep. It's like. They're gone. Like, we did it in Fear Street. They did it in Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Like, the first one that you know, they gotta go. And then you're like, oh, we're in it. No one is safe. This is real. The stakes are high. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't. I love that opening. And honestly, it's like, it's so, so good. I could go off about days, which I probably will go off about the opening scene because I love the opening scene so much. I mean, tell us, what do you love the most about the opening scene? Hold on, I can't hear you. Jerk. Oh, I'm I... so sorry. <laughs> okay. I'm just like going off, and I you're not even hearing what I'm saying. No. I love like the like the neon mall aesthetic. Mm-hmm. I love the dress that she's in. I love just all the lighting, the, what it establishes from the very start. I feel like all of the films have a theme to it, and I feel like 1994 specifically, they really own their theme. They really just like full speed ahead with their tone and everything so mm-hmm. i love that specifically mm-hmm. i also love how they'd start with the phone call scene you know like you said it's an obvious homage to the original scream movie with mm-hmm. the drew barry morris casey scene and i don't know how many people notice but when the phone rings in the opening sequence of the fear street 1994 it's actually the exact same soundbite from the scream movie like that ringtone is exactly the same seriously yeah, Damn. hold on. I, I can actually play it for you. One sec. Wait, I'm dying. This is so funny. <laughs> that is actually so cool. I didn't know that. It's exactly the same. Hold on. I might blow my speaker, but let's see. It's a scream. You hear that? Oh my that gosh, scream. you're right. That yes. scream. And then uh-huh. if I go to Fear Street, here, let's see. My hawk's dancing right now. One second. No, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> oh, it's the exact same ringtone. Yes. Yes, it is. Oh my gosh! So, wow. I love, I love like those little details, and that's uh-huh. one of the reasons why I love this opening scene so much because it's just like boiling and bubbling and brimming with all of these little details. Like, that's one of the reasons why I think it's so good, mm-hmm. and I love how they start with that because. I feel like a lot of horror movies can fall into these regular tropes and a lot of the times we're watching it and we're like oh like 
we clock it immediately like like oh they're pulling from that movie or they're copying that movie mm-hmm. like we like when they start and they do like a respectful homage to the genre or to the predecessors in the genre it kind of makes the viewers or the audience or the fans be like oh like uh, you know they now they have permission to go and play with the rest of the film in a sense you know it doesn't feel like it's a cheap uh, like a copy of what they're doing in something like scream that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why I love it so much. They do it in like a respectful, fun way. And they're yeah. like, okay, now I'm going to spin it even more. Because even when she's on the phone, spo- spoiler alert for anybody that is has not seen the film, but by the end of the movie, obviously we know what's going on with the curse and the witch. And when she's on the phone with her friend Ryan, it just begs the question, because in the original Scream movie, Casey doesn't know that she's on the phone with the killer. Mm -hmm. And Maya Hawke's character, Heather, also doesn't know that she's on the phone with the killer when Ryan calls. Mm -hmm. And because he gets possessed, like, at some point in this opening scene, we don't even know if he knows that he's the killer. Mm -hmm. So it's just, just like, a fun little twist, and I love that so much. It's one of the reasons why this stands out to me, because they do the same thing that they do in Scream, but they twist it a little bit by adding in the possession. Yeah. That is so true because I remember watching the movie for the first time and seeing Ryan with a hood on. I was like, hold on. Y'all were just buddy yeah. buddies just a second ago. And now you're killing her. This is terrible. What kind of beef you got? Like, yeah. it was so crazy to me. And that reminded me of something that um, I heard in like a YouTube video recently where in Scream, like you said before, Drew Barrymore, her character, when she's on the phone, she doesn't know she's talking to the killer. And it's basically like this weird kind of like theme where you don't really know who's on the other line. You don't know who's behind the mask. You don't know who to trust. And there's that sense of like paranoia and fear that kind of settles in and kind of eats away at you. And that feeds into the fear you feel when you're watching the movie itself. Because in Fear Street, the killer can be anybody really because after you watch the first movie you're like watching the second movie you're like okay well who's the killer now like who's it gonna be like of course like a lot of people first assume it's the nurse and i assumed it was a nurse too right but it wasn't and in watching the first movie that's what reminded me of scream because i remember when i watched scream for the first time i was like shocked by the twist but when you're watching horror movies you don't really know what to expect. You're there to lend yourself to the story and see where it goes. Even if you try to predict what's going to happen before, I love it when horror movies keep on your, on your toes and they're not predictable. Like they're original, they have really good twists and it shocks you in a way where it's not just for shock value or for cheap shots, but it's a way that feeds into the story and it's like, damn, how did I miss that? Like, how did I see that? And that's how I love about Free Street and just like horror movies in general. Like, I like that feeling of like who can you trust you know what i mean you just have to like really like yeah, into the story you know yeah oh i totally agree i think they do that really well in this movie and i think that's why i love it so much and one of the reasons it stands out so much mm-hmm. is because it's full of twists and it's a bunch of twists you don't see coming like especially in the second one which we'll get to obviously but i, I feel like the whole trilogy is just full of moments like that yeah yeah and, you know, Fear Street is a lot like Scream and also a little bit like Halloween where the town is dangerous and people still live there, you know, 
Like, Shadyside has been dubbed the murder capital of the United States. Despite the fact that, like, the yep. neighboring town, Sunnyvale, is, like, one of the richest and safest towns in the country. And so, obviously, like, Shadyside and Sunnyvale people hate each other for that reason. Because, like it was said in the um, scene at the memorial, um, if somebody dies every week in your town, like, at this point... Something's wrong. Something's what are we doing? Wrong. What's going on? Yeah. You know what I mean? What's like, the, what are the police up to? What are they? What are they doing? Yeah. At that point, it's kind of like, I mean, now y'all gotta set it, step it up. I mean, maybe well the SWAT team in here, because yeah, some, something's something's amiss in this town. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, so there's a murder in the mall, and Maya Hawk is dead. R.I.P. Girl, we love you. Um, yeah, gone too soon. <laughs> gone way too soon. And then, you know, we have the teen angst of um, Dina having broken up with her girlfriend, Sam, and her brother, Josh, who is the typical nerd that stays in the room and knows everything about the town history and has no friends. So, of course, he's obsessed That's with... Me. <laughs> That's me. I relate to Josh. That's literally me. I love Josh's character. I also love that actor because i've seen him in like a couple other things so to see him in fear street is so much fun because when i see young actors in like horror movies it's fun to me but it's also scary you know because it's like oh they get to do like this fun little like uh role but it's also like i don't want you to die please yeah. <laughs> no I yeah 100 percent agree he's yeah. just so lovable in that movie and seeing him in danger you're like no please like don't okay take so this little boy away. no i remember like as i was as i was watching the movie i was like oh my gosh when these people are gonna die i was like oh my god where they killed the child they won't do that and i was like wait no hold on uh, the kids are not safe <laughs> no one in is this safe. trilogy no one and is that's safe what in I, one of the things i love about it because you think in like the halloween movies kids are always safe like michael myers himself like won't kill babies or kids or anything like that in this movie the kids if you're a kid basically that's your sentence like you're done yeah if you're under 18 it's over like listen equal opportunity everyone can get it all right <laughs> your street put ageism to rest they were yes. like it does not matter how old you are you're gonna die period you know you say the children are your future i say the children are the victims all right it is what it is simply that if you're in my way you're getting got and even, like, going back to the opening scene when Maya Hawke's character is killed, like, yeah. that scene to me is actually really sad. Because when we're talking about the reveal and, you know, it turns out to be Ryan or whatever, they don't play, like, in a movie that's, like, another scary movie like Halloween or The Exorcist or any of those other, like, slashers like Friday the 13th. Mm -hmm. They're going to play, like, the scary theme. And the one thing I love about Fear Street is they don't actually play a scary song or they don't play any, like, frightening music in that scene. They actually play, like, the sad Sarah Fear theme. Just kind of drive that point home that this is the first time we're seeing the curse in action mm -hmm. and the actual cost of the curse, which is this girl is being, you know, killed by one of her closest friends. So that's a, another tidbit that I love and that I feel really establishes the life of a shady cider going into the rest of the movie because like you said that element of surprise that element of like who can you even trust is there from the very beginning 
and it's like as soon as you are established as a shady sider that's the only target that you need on your back everything Mm -hmm. else regardless of how old you are where you come from what you look like it's all fair game if you're a shady sider you can go through what Maya Hawk's character goes through at the very beginning. Yeah. And that has to be heartbreaking to be, like, someone so young. Like, it's hard enough trying to be a teen in America. All right? Yeah. Kids got it tough enough, but every other week, one of your classmates dies, and then it could be you. You could be murdered by someone you know. That's tough. Like. Yeah. Anxiety on a whole other level. (laughs) Like, all the people in um, Fear Street, everyone in, like, uh, Shadyside needs, like, this would be the perfect time for, like, a BetterHelp sponsorship. Everyone needs yeah. therapy, which is why you should get BetterHelp. <laughs> they definitely need therapy. Those people, I'm so sorry. I'm uh, so sorry, Shadyside. I mean, at this point, people are fighting at memorials. Like, y'all are really, like, a town on its knees. Like, y'all really need some help out here. And yeah. I... I mean, I feel for you. I do. Um, okay, so I'm going to be honest. The first part, like the first movie, I feel like we could kind of just like run through it um, overall. So, you know, you have the tailgating party. Well, not the tailgating party, the memorial. And then they crash into the bus. <laughs> well, not crash into the bus. Like, you know, the car crashes. They throw the Gatorade and then the car goes off the road. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolute disaster of a moment. Yes. Um, Sam survives and sees the vision of Sarah Fire, which I'm not going to lie. When I saw that, I was like, oh, okay. So we're getting, you know, glimpses into things. Okay, cool. We're getting spooky. (laughs) It's supernatural for real. Okay. And then they go, uh, Dina and her friends are being stalked. They go to the hospital to visit Sam, make sure she's okay. And then surprise, surprise, Skull Mask is there. Um, They try to convince the police you know, of what's going on, and they're just kind of like, that's the most annoying part in a horror movie, when, like, something's going wrong, and the kids are like, let's go to the cops, and each time, I'm like, don't even bother, just deal with it yourselves, what are they gonna do? Never anything, they never do anything. They're gonna shoot a gun at a killer. Knowing now, like, how the trilogy ends, yeah. like, the real motivations behind the sheriff like of course he's not gonna help like mm. you're you're just making things worse by mm. even going to the yep yep oh. i mean might as well just figure it out on your own i i know you guys are kids the only thing because the only thing high school should be worried about is sats um acne finding a job and like not you know not hating life like, that's the one thing high schoolers need to worry about. Not being murdered, that's, that shouldn't be on your list. Yeah, no. These no. kids are grown, too. Like, when, when we meet Kate and Simon, they're, like, full-on dealers, too. Like, dealing all of these drugs. And, like, they're trying to, like, make all these plans and make all this money. And mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, what, do you, like, what are you working doubles for in senior year, babe? Like, you, that's not what you should be doing. You yeah. know? It's just crazy. Imagine... They're fully grown. They're trying to leave this town. Yeah, imagine, like... Um, going to school and then not having your weekends either because you have to work because you live in a terrible town and you're trying to get out there yeah. and you sell drugs Maybe. and you're probably going to die at one of those double shifts one of those double shifts someone's going to come and kill you at some point unfortunately it's not a good life no it's not a good life it's adolescence, not adolescence 
not doing it in Shady Side. No, it's not going well on Shady Side. Or I, and I like the scene in the hospital. I'd say was brutal. Like, yeah, yeah, it was a lot. And I'm not gonna lie. I'm usually someone who like whoop, when it comes to like you know kills and murders and gore. But when it's one after another, at that point, I'm like, damn. Well, <laughs> well can I get some? Like, piece? I can't look away this whole time. No. <laughs> I have to watch the movie at some point. Like, I gotta keep my eyes open. I gotta know what's going on. I skipped five minutes. I missed the most important part. Yeah. I'm such the opposite. I love the kills. The kills are probably, like, the best part of any scary movie for me. Or especially, like, I think in that specific scene Mm -hmm. when they notice the, like, the dispatch nurse. Like, when she's killed and they find her body. Like, that's such a great moment, too. Like, I love watching the kills. I I think it's probably the peak for me. Uh, maybe that makes me a little crazy. I don't know. But I think it's no, just so much fun. It's totally normal and fine. And like, I feel like that is... I mean, if you watch horror movies, you have to... A little You're signing bit, up for yeah. yeah, you gotta be comfortable with death. Like, you gotta be comfortable with like, yeah. seeing that on screen. Because they're going to show it on screen. And also because it's Netflix and it's streaming, they don't really have to hold back on some of the murders. In and they really show. did no, they really did not. They did not pack at all. No, they oh didn't. God. Spared no expense. They showed you everything. Okay. Yeah, the, the cake, the cake or shredder or whatever that part. You know when her when her head. Mhm. Mhm. They showed that. Baby. Mm-hmm. They showed yeah. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had you to skip that part. Like, just going off on that, like another thing that we were mentioning before how we did not expect that these main characters were gonna die and then they die like that just it just blew my mind because i really you watch like a teen scream and you know that there's gonna be like some sort of you know the protagonist will survive at the end they'll overcome the Mm -hmm. killer will not win and good is gonna win and triumph and whatever but at the mm-hmm. end of 1994, it's the opposite. Like, the bad guy wins, half the cast dies. It's just, like, a complete twist on what you think is going to happen. Yeah. And I like that in um, any kind of movie, especially horror movies. I love it when writers kill their darlings. Because yeah. sometimes you got to do that. Especially because we're watching a horror movie. And it's something that is similar to Scream. It's a slasher. And it's very intense. And they're not holding any... They're not pulling any kind of punches when it comes to this kind of movie. So killing your main characters is showing the audience how, like, we're going there. We're going to go there. And we're going to, like, hit it every single time in any scene. And if you think one thing's going to happen in this movie, you got it wrong, girl. Okay? We're going to keep you on your toes. And although it's kind of, like, you get sad and you're like, no. Like, oh, I was really attached to this person. I like this <laughs> character. And now they're gone. And, like, they've died in, like, this terrible, horrible way. Like, even though you feel that emotion, at the same time, I'm just kind of... I'm a little bit glad. Because I feel like sometimes uh, creators, like, writers, when it comes to movies, they're, like, scared to go there. You know? Because they fear they will lose the audience or they'll upset their viewer. And for me, I personally think you should piss me off. Like, upset me. Like, get me mad. I'm not saying you should, like, fridge your characters like they do so many times with female characters. But if it lends to the story and it makes sense with the plot and the purpose of the film and what I'm watching, then, yeah, absolutely. Push that girl through a meat grinder. Do it. Yeah. Show me everything. 100%. Yeah. 
I already know what I signed up for. We saw Maya Hawk die. <laughs> we saw the girl yeah. bleed on Sarah Fire's or Fear's uh, grave. And we saw the weird vision. We went through the hospital scene. We know what's going on. We know what we're watching. So if you're going to do it big, then do it big. And, and, and hope, have no regrets whatsoever. Like, I'm here for it. You know what I mean? Oh, I totally agree. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing I also love about this trilogy is because I'm a big fan of slasher movies, but yeah. I'm also a big fan of supernatural horror. Yes. So I love that they brought both together. And yeah. I feel like they did it in a really tasteful, interesting way. Like it didn't feel cheeky. It didn't feel gimmicky. Mm-hmm. Like it was genuinely scary. And it also opens up this universe for all these different killers, right? Like we only saw, I think, I don't know. I don't know how many there even is altogether. I think six killers in the trilogy. Mm-hmm. And there's like, if you look at the rock wall where all their names are, it's like 80 people listed. So they could really just take this and run. And I think that they're planning on doing that. But it's just interesting how they did it because I love supernatural horror. I love witchcraft and all that stuff. Not personally. I mean, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not practicing that. Right. Don't look at the shrine in the background. But I genuinely like love supernatural horror so i love that they melt them together and, and did the whole slasher supernatural thing I'm, I'm obsessed with it oh yeah um i am a huge fan of like supernatural horror films i don't watch them as much because they tend because like when i watch horror movies i need to be able to be like i need to be able to have like a degree of separation and i have to have like mm-hmm. some kind of like psychological distance for myself personally right. when i watch horror movies like the movie talk to me that recently came out I didn't go see it because I was like, this is too scary for me, girl. Because let, let me tell you something. If I see a hand with writing on it in a Goodwill, I'm going to touch it. Like, I'm fully going to touch it. Yeah. So I can't watch that movie because, like, I'm so dumb that I would accidentally end up possessed and, like, go into the rabbit hole that she went down in that movie. I don't know the synopsis because, like, I stay away from everything in regards to that movie. A trailer came out. I avoided it at all costs. Like, I was like, <laughs> I'm good, girl. Peace out. Love you, okay? That but... movie is genuinely one of the scariest movies I've seen in my whole life. Like, really? And that's not just, like, me hopping on the bandwagon. Like, genuinely, and the thing that I loved about that movie was the horror didn't come from jump scares or, like, cheap thrills or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It was just genuinely a frightening film. And like you said, there is no room for that psychological distance because the underlying theme of the film is grief. So that already targets your humanity. And then you add on that horror element on top of it. It's impossible to not become invested in the movie the way that audiences have been. And I think that's why it resonates with audiences the way that it has. Mm -hmm. Because it genuinely like rips your soul. And you're like, oh my god, I can't believe that I'm watching this right now. And it's genuinely terrifying. I definitely recommend the movie to anyone that can handle that sort of thing. Because it is traumatizing. Chicken, chicken, they can buy from. I can't say. Sorry, my mom just walked in. But that's okay. No problem. <laughs> okay. Hi, mom. <laughs> she kind of like dipped in, and then she immediately dipped out because she saw my ring light, and she was like, "Oh, right." She's like, "Oops, one Sorry. time." <laughs> Okay. Moms, all like that's people of the mom. Yeah. Hi, can I get you anything? Yeah, literally, literally is like, okay, I have a chicken in the fridge if you want it. It's like, okay, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> okay. Oh my god, I love that. 
I didn't know that Talk to Me was about grief. Yeah, it is. And it's it's a really, really good story. And they, they really they balance that line between the horror and the grief really well. Mm. That does make sense because the movie kind of like pulls you between the veil of the living and the dead. So that yeah. kind of that does make sense to me. Now that you're saying it's, it has a human connection behind it, I kind of want to watch it because I like movies that are like that. You know, like films. It's really that, good. Yeah. They even say yeah. that like the the whole premise is based on human connection. Like that's what the hand is supposed to represent because that's why you have to like hold it. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. basically, the main girl Mia, she had just lost her mom to suicide. And there's a lot of ambiguity around her death, whether like it was an accidental overdose or if it was on purpose. So there are a lot of these unanswered questions. So when she encounters the hand, that becomes her way of like trying to find the answers. And obviously it doesn't go according to plan as most horror movies do like happen. But it's it's a really good dialogue on just like processing grief and where it leaves you if you let that grief drive you instead of like your logic. Mm. Okay. It's good. I I recommend it. Well, now I have to watch it. Like you've convinced me. Like you've intrigued me. <laughs> First of all, you we'll do me. another episode where we're unpacking. Talk to me after you've watched it. <laughs> like and you talked about the purpose. Full detail. Yes, you've fully sold me, and now I have to find someone to watch it with because I will not watch the movie by myself. Because. Yeah, don't. It's really... Uh, there's one scene, like, 45 minutes in, mm-hmm. where, like, th- it's it's scary. Like, it's one of those, like, you know, it starts, and you're like, ooh, because really it's a commentary on, like, viral culture and TikTok and how we're... Like, you know, if goes for real, of course, people will be trying to videotape them and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, and then you get to, like, the 45-minute mark, and there's just this one scene that completely just warps the movie. And after that, you're just, like heart is hammering the rest of the film there's you're sweating you're on the edge of your seat when i was in the theater watching it like there was nobody just like leisurely watching the movie everybody was like looking at the screen like it was just so well done and the way that they like they nab you it's peak peak horror cinema damn yeah now i have to go see it because usually i see movies by myself and that's not really a good thing because I saw everything everywhere all at once by myself. And let me tell you something. I was crying in that movie theater and everyone else was there with their families and I was the only loner in there. <laughs> so I looked a little crazy. Yeah, I bawled during that movie too. But so don't even worry. I watched it at home. So like no one saw me, but I totally relate and I understand what you were going through. Yeah. I also bawled. That about the laundry. Oh bro. my gosh. Please. Yeah. Not, I could not. Oh, um, the main actress in Talk To Me, she actually has two other projects that just came out. There is a Netflix show that she's in. I forget the title exactly, but it says it has everything in it, and I don't remember exactly the words. But the show is about this girl who just left rehab, and she's trying to reconnect with her friends in university. But her friends are so used to like partying and drinking that she doesn't know how to spend time with them and reconnect with them and rebuild the relationships that they have because the things that they do, she can't do anymore. And then she was also in a show called You Don't Know Me, which is about a guy who is falsely accused of murder. And so he goes on trial to defend himself. And 
I do think that she's cast in that show as well. And I just like found the shows because I was doing research on another podcast I was doing and Talk To Me came up in like the research I was doing and I clicked on her like little, you know, Google thing because I had never seen this actress before. She was like super new to me. And to see her in like other stuff, I was like, oh, okay. Well, good for you, girl. You're working. Like, we love to see it. Yeah. You know? She's she's a no-name, or she was, at least. I think that's one of the reasons they actually put her in the movie. The director's the... Oh, my God. I, I know their YouTube handle, but I'm... Oh, the Filippa <laughs> brothers. Um, the, or the Raka Raka brothers. Uh-huh. They uh, they originally, when they had the film, I've you know, seen this in an interview, they were really, really, really inclined to cast this young actress as Mia, even though they're basically their team was pushing them to have somebody that had a bigger name of at course. the front of the film. Right. And that given them a little bit more money and a little bit more flexibility in their production. And they yeah. actually turned that down mm-hmm. so that they could work with this specific actress because they wanted to work with her so badly. And she does really, really great work in the movie. There's one scene, like the first scene where she becomes possessed. Um, the camera work is stellar in this movie as well but it actually the shot will start in front of her mm-hmm. and she's like starting to get possessed or like before she's possessed and the camera goes all the way around her mm-hmm. and by the time it comes mm-hmm. back to her she's fully possessed it just right. goes to show like how well she was at learning her marks knowing her cues like she does really well and then still managing to bring that performance like she was extremely talented and she did really well in the movie I mean, so I'm glad that she's in other projects because she deserves that. Yeah, she does. And I do like it. I like it when directors take, you know, lesser known actors to be in their movies, especially like A24. I mean, listen, multi-billion dollar uh, movie studio. Okay. And of yeah. course, they can get anybody to be in their movies because yeah. they are A24. Okay. They are like the biggest studio right now in Hollywood. But to have a no name is even better because if your movie is good and has a solid premise and has great writing, to have an actor who people don't know doesn't really matter. People are going to be drawn to what the movie is about, which is something that I like. I like it better when movies are released and you're drawn into what the movie is about and like what you're going to see and what you want to watch rather than just going for a big name. Like, of course, like if Zendaya's in a movie, I'm going to watch it. You know what I mean? Like that's Zendaya. But sometimes there are um, movies that come out and you'll see like the cast is full of A-list celebrities. And that's when I know that movie's going to be trash. Because what are you doing? All right? I'm talking about Amsterdam. Okay? That's the first movie that came to my mind. (laughs) (laughs) How did y'all put Taylor Swift in this movie? And it was bad. Like, story, editing, acting. I mean... Even the director was problematic at that. So why did this movie even get made? Why are you wasting my time? What's going on here? No, no idea. Also, no idea. I used to read blind items <laughs> and I don't anymore. But I did see this like video blind item on TikTok. And it was like, did anyone wonder why Taylor Swift was cast in Amsterdam? And essentially it was because, um, you know, she released her short film that was all too well with Sadie Sink and... Um, I was about to say Conan O'Brien. That's not his name. Dylan O'Brien. Conan O'Brien. Dylan O'Brien. <laughs> Conan O'Brien in a Taylor Swift music video. 
Yeah, likely. Perfect. Likely. Perfect casting. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she released the um, short film with Sadie Sink and Dylan O'Brien. And there was basically like this rumor going around that she wanted to have the film nominated for an Oscar. And, you know, when you want your film to be nominated for an Oscar, you have to like do some things to get it seen and to get in front of certain people. Usually you'll invite like famous people over to your house. Usually you'll screen your movie privately for certain Oscar contenders. You'll obviously do a press tour, you know, a publicized press tour to like drum up attention for your film. And there was this um, kind of rumor spreading that like Taylor Swift needed to draw connections to Oscar voters. And so the director of Amsterdam has friends who are Oscar voters. So she got casted in the movie. That way she could get close to the director and that he could put her name on the shortlist to have her film nominated for uh, as an Oscar contender for best short film. And I, li- I watched the video and I was like, I mean, it makes sense. Obviously, because it's a little yeah. random that she's in Amsterdam. Like, you have Margot Robbie, uh, Rit- not Riz Ahmed, Rami Malek, Christian Bale, Chris Rock... And tell what's going on here? How did all these people yeah. come together to be in this movie? And I don't even know what the movie is about at that. I just know these people are in the movie. How did this And she happen? gets run over. Like, what What even What even was that? What, yeah, what was her contribution? Was she got run over by the car? You gotta be That's in the movie long mean. enough for people to see your character and know who you are, but not long enough that you gotta actually, like, be a part of the story. You know what I mean? Like yeah, we can at least say, you know, she put in that work for the Oscar. She got, she got run right over. Yeah. You know, she really sacrificed. Yeah. I mean, people say, you know, she directed a short film and people may say, oh, well, she doesn't really have like an acting or directing ability. Um, she was in Amsterdam with Margot Robbie. So what could you say to that? Nothing. Exactly. Thank you. You know, but um, yes, I feel like we have veered away from... We have definitely <laughs> But speaking of Sadie Sink, I feel like that's the perfect segue into yes. the second street movie. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Sadie Sink. Also, one last thing, because I had to bring this up because you brought up Talk to Me. Um, yeah. I remember, like, there was a clip that was circulating on Twitter from the film, and I just watched a little bit of it because I was curious. And I was like, you know what? This girl deserves an Oscar. And then immediately I was like, oh, yeah. Oscars don't care about horror movies. I forgot. Mm. And then immediately I was pissed because it's a great film. Like obviously people really love it and they really enjoy it and it's doing super well. But for some reason, Oscar voters only care about biopics. They care about any movie with that Steven Spielberg directs. And, you know, listen, if you bring in, we'll like, they're like, listen, we'll let the people of color be, in the contenders that's fine but if you're not suffering then like i don't know what's the point like you people feel joy yeah what (laughs) no they don't know that they don't understand you guys feel happiness seriously like if you're not going through something this movie like that was like the whole situation with like the slave movies they're like you know what you're in a movie about a slave okay we'll we'll nominate this one Mm -hmm. we'll give you guys that one but it's like can we see them be happy no i'm sorry that's actually not allowed to be nominated. Mm-mm. Sorry, 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 sorry. Moonlight, a heartbreaking film. Yes. Gut-wrenching film. But we're going to get that best picture, no problem. The Last Black Man in San Francisco? Sorry, I didn't see that. 
I don't. I don't know it. I'm sorry. Don't know it. Get out. I can't even get Academy Awards because it's just like such a hoity-toity, like just butt kissing all yes. around. Like it's not re a real metric at all. It really isn't. It sucks because like I do anymore. Care... Right. Like I do care about the Oscars a little bit because like I want my favorite directors and actors and writers to get like recognition and like the Oscars is yeah. like a huge title. You know what I mean? Like that's big, but yeah. it sucks when they don't get the recognition. Cause I don't think they're less if they're not as talented and they're not as deserving, but it's just like, I want them to be seen by the Academy of their peers, but even the voters in the Academy are, are not a reflection of the peers within the entertainment industry. You know, it's yeah. just, it's frustrating. Okay, Sadie Sink. <laughs> My girl, Sadie Sink. Our girl. Honestly, beautiful. Phenomenal actress. I mean, one of the newer actors that have come onto the scene and have literally graced us with a performance that eats every single time. Never she disappoints. Ate it up. Yes, she did. She gobbled it up, left no crumbs whatsoever. Stranger Things season four, like she can do no wrong. This girl. I'm gonna be honest to say I've only seen the first two seasons of Stranger Things, cause. <gasps> okay, I'm gonna need to watch Stranger Things season four. Let's go. I mean, the last season's gonna come out soon, season. so. Yeah, you got. You have time. You have time. Mm -hmm. Season it's... four is my personal favorite. It's, season... a, it's a horror. It's yeah. a horror format. No, I know, but like season five is the next one, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's the last one too. Mm -hmm. I just want to be sure because I was about to say season six, but I was like, no, 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 that seems like too much. I don't think they're there yet. No, I don't think so. I, you honestly have time because mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure it got delayed a lot because of the strikes. So you could even theoretically start from season one if you wanted to, but like I think there's time for you to jump back into it. I'm not should gonna you desire lie. that. Like. After season two, I was kind of like, if y'all keep putting my boy Will through all of this trauma, then we're just going to have to fight because y'all got to leave my guy alone. Like, you'll keep giving him these terrible haircuts. You keep putting him in these dingy dad clothes. And now he's getting possessed twice. Like, y'all got to let my boy yeah, live. They, I'll just tell you right now, they don't leave him alone. <laughs> he does not know peace. His character does not know peace. It just gets worse for him. So if, if that's your major qualm with the show, then yeah, mm -hmm. best just leave it on the shelf because yeah. Will does not know people. <sighs> My guy. Oh, well. Okay. So let's at least end the first <laughs> Fear Street movie. Okay. So yes. basically what happens in the end is that... Hold on. Let me read my notes. Okay. The group realizes that the car accident disturbed uh, Sarah's grave. Um, and then Sam had blood on her bones, resurrecting some of the killers. And then Josh realizes that the curse is the reason for the history's um, shady side's history of killings, which began with her execution. And so they try to attempt, they attempt to like give her a proper burial, um, but they're attacked. And then they realize the killers only want Sam and they're attracted to her blood. So they go back to the school <laughs> to try and destroy the killers, but that doesn't work. So then Sam reluctantly agrees with the group to be sacrificed. And they save her when it is discovered that C. Burnham, who is a survivor of the um, camp 
Nightwing Massacre in 1978 claimed to have seen the witch. They attempt to call her but receive no answer. Sam finds that the sea Burnham also died but was resuscitated. And the camp organizes a plan to kill and revive Sam using drugs. And then they fend off the killers. But Cat and Simon are killed. R.I.P. y'all. Um, Dina kills Sam. And then revives her. And then afterward, the police place the blame on Simon and Kate, even though they had nothing to do with it. Just because they were known for selling drugs. And then Sam and Dina reconcile. They come out as a couple. Hashtag love wins. And then, later that night, while Sam is at her house, she gets a call from C. Burnham, who tells her there's no escaping the witch. And now Sam is possessed and attacks Dina, and that Dina has to find out a way to free her. Which brings us into part two, where we go to Ziggy's house, aka C. Burnham, to try and help out Sam, who is currently being possessed by the witch. And then... Essentially, what happens is that she goes through the events of what happened that night in the Camp Nightwing massacre. And I was about to say, um, in the end, when the cop was like, we'll just blame it on Simon and Kate because they were doing drugs anyways. And I was just like, okay, so, so you are the bad guy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. like how does drugs and murder just... Yeah! How does that happen? They're kids. First of all, and second of all, like, I don't know, 10 people were murdered. How does it happen with two children? They're children. Who murdered them? Like, make that make sense. Did she push herself (laughs) through the meat grinder? Huh? Yeah, like, I don't know. And you know what? I love both of those characters and those actors, too. Like, the guy Mm -hmm. who plays Simon. I think his name is... Uh, it's Fred Hechinger. Hetchinger. He's actually in, speaking of a Stranger Things alumni, uh, he's in Finn Wolfhard's new movie that premiered at TIFF called Hell of a Summer. And it's also a summer camp slasher. Okay. okay. Yeah, and it's, and it's good. It's really good. I actually really like that movie. It's more like horror comedy. Mm. But I was really sad when he like inevitably bites it at the end. And then they blame him for the death i'm like you're doing my boy so dirty like i love this character and now you're just throwing so much dirt onto his onto his memory also he was kind of adorable as a character like he was also in white lotus have you seen that yeah yeah yes he is the young brother in white lotus which i loved him in that too yeah I, I immediately when I recognized him, I was like, oh my gosh, it's a guy who sleeps in the bathroom. Look at that. Look at you. I just rarely remember like the weirdest things about. Yeah. Him. Yes. Um, okay. I'm not going to lie with the whole like killing her and the reviving her plan. I was like, I don't know if this is going to work. They, though. they yeah. also chose like, I know they end up drowning her in the end, yeah. but like the pills, I don't understand. Like, if she was going to overdose and they brought her back, her body would be so messed up from taking all those drugs still and overdosing on them. Like, I think that was the wrong play. Mm-hmm. But again, it, you know, it's it, it's playing off the element that these are kids. They don't really know what they're doing. Uh-huh. That's why she is using the EpiPen to bring her back. because She doesn't know CPR. So, like, 
I think that is what really plays into it. Because while I'm watching it, I'm like, what are you, what are you feeding this girl pills for? Just put a bag over her head, like do like maybe give her like some gas. I don't know, like do something that's her body is not gonna be in such a horrendous state when you bring her back to life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you ask me, how do you kill someone and bring them back to life? I'd be like, yes. First of all, for what? For what? What are we doing? Why are you asking this question? What are you? What are you doing? Like, what are you into? I gotta go. I yeah. gotta leave. I'm sorry. My mom's calling me. I'm. S- <laughs> I I gotta step out. I can't. Uh yeah. I also love how like the first film and the second film just like seamlessly like tie into each other. Like, I could easily Agreed. like. I think this streaming has really messed up my brain. But watching three movies back to back, I was kind of like. That wasn't too bad. I, that didn't take up too much yeah. of my time. Like, you literally time out your day. You're like, okay, I'm going to start this at one. This movie is, like, almost two hours long. Three of them. I'm going to be done by six. Yeah, got it. All right, let's go. It's like, it's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> no, I totally It's, like, such an easy binge. Yes. And we're going into part two. Um, talking with C... Berman about the Camp Nightwing massacre massacre in 1978, and we already said this before that uh, part two is like the bloodiest um, part of the trilogy. It's also the horniest. Yeah, I would say that. Yeah, it's yeah. honestly my favorite too. <laughs> I Not mean, for that reason, but. yeah, no, part two is the best one out of the trilogy. Like, it really is. I feel like part one, no, part two is the best. Because part one, it sets the story, sets the tone. And you kind of figure out, like, you have to face the evil. Part two is finding out the truth of what's going on. And then it's, like, a whole lot of, like, listen, you got some sex. You got some killing. You got some murder. You got betrayal. You got resurrection. You got all of this. And then there's a twist at the end. And then part three is, like, you know, wrapping it all up. And they actually wrap it up really well. In part three, which I'm glad, because a lot of times they leave too many loose ends. And sometimes horror movies want to do a little thing where they leave a little cliffhanger, and they did. But sometimes they leave too many loose ends. It's kind of like, okay, so you're just going to let us yeah, like, now? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I spent all this, we spent no. all this time killing people. You can't no time, spend, no time explaining things. Hello? Yeah, I honestly love the second one for that reason. I think it does... Like, it's the perfect movie to have in the middle. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it does such a great job of showing this, like, unbeatable force that is the curse. Mm-hmm. Because, like, it doesn't matter where these kids go, the killers keep coming. Oh, yeah. Like, in the first one, it's a little bit, like, more, they have time to, like, set the trap up. You know, they're, like, building all these contraptions to, like, blow up the killers. And then they're going to the grocery store. Like, they have a lot of time mm-hmm. in between the killings. In the second one, there's no time. It's just as soon as Tommy turns, the killers keep coming and coming and coming. There's no rest periods at all. Even when he dies for like those 10 minutes, he's back, he kills, and he's coming again with his homies and the rest of the crew, and they're all going to meet up and kill everyone together. There's just no rest, which is what I love about the second one. Tommy and his homies just coming to kill the vibe. (laughs) Just coming to kill the vibe and And everyone else. Yeah, and the campers too. Like... You are right. From the second he turns, no break, no rest, no stop, no sleep, like no pauses, nothing. We're going, 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 going. And I'm like, I'm in it. 
like I'm watching it and I'm like, dang. Even from like the first scene, um, I feel like from watching the first movie, I was kind of like, okay, so this one is gonna be like, yeah, I I know what I'm into because I already watched the first one and I know what that was. So this one, yeah, I got it. I'm good. So first scene is Sadie Seek and then Homegirl comes up and she's like, we're gonna hang the witch. And I'm like. <laughs> Excuse me? We're gonna, I did not get bullied. Like, we're doing it again? That was not how I was bullied. I did not get hung as a witch. I was straight up like, oh, so you're killing the main character again? In the first... Wait, they're kids. So you guys are murderers? Wait a minute. I'm confused. And like, thankfully, she didn't actually get like hung. Thankfully. But, yeah. Uh, Also, camp being the setting for a horror movie, my favorite. My favorite. Obsessed. Same. <laughs> my favorite subgenre flasher summer camp sign me up i don't care if it's Listen, good or bad i'm watching the killer is coming for you run into the woods run into the woods yeah. okay it's dark there are trees there are branches on the floor the moon is the only light you have and you're just gonna die like that's it like the second you run into woods i'm like it's over for them you can't escape like girl that what else are you like do? This one has the best story, in my opinion. Like, every mm. every one of them has, like, their own little story. I do love this, like, the story in the third one, the 1666, and that's just, like, another ballpark entirely. But yeah. I love the relationship between the two sisters in 1978. That, to me, is, like, some of the best writing in the trilogy. I love the dichotomy and, like, the contrast between Ziggy and her sister Cindy. I feel like Cindy is a really underrated and overlooked character in the trilogy because she she basically embodies everything that the final girl in a movie is supposed to embody you know yes she does she is like that light in the face of the darkness she's like very set and stern and strict she knows who she is or at least she thinks she does and it's so interesting because when we start watching that movie we think that she's the one that survives because her name is the one that starts with c mm -hmm. and so we're watching thinking you know like this is the final girl we're cheering for this girl and then obviously there's that big twist in the end that is revealed that ziggy's real name is christine and she's c berman but i loved how they were so different because even in 1994 you could see how being a shady sider really impacts them like they're all so angry they're so resentful they're ready yeah. to scrap all moments you know mm -hmm. and this girl is the one who's kind of like okay i know where i came from but i want to push to be something better and i think that is like the the crux of the trilogy is exhibited in that character because none of the other shady siders have any hope you know they all like especially ziggy she's the most doom and gloom of them all and she's always like you're from shady side you know you should hate your life and Sydney's mm. like well what if and you know, it, what if we can be better? What if we can move on? What if we can escape? And then Ziggy's like, no, you can't escape. We're cursed. So I, that's what I really liked about the relationship between both of them. And then obviously seeing them face off against the killers in the end. Uh, yes. That was really powerful. And yes. it really makes me emotional when I watch that scene. Mm -hmm. And I 100% agree with everything you just said, especially the last part with the sisters, because I have sisters of my own. So I understand the beef far too well but the scene i'm like <laughs> come together in the end it's so heartwarming yeah. and also heartbreaking but um it's a tragedy yeah no tragedy it's a tragedy and also it's a tragedy for ruby lane too because knowing what we know let me say something Rewatching these movies with what i know now i was pissed like yeah. you first start watching the movies you're like oh ruby lane girl 
Mm-mm, she crazy. Girl. She out there. I mean, she she got flies in her brain. You know what I mean? Like, it's just it is what it is. But now, <clears throat> understanding that like Ruby Lane was kind of basically was sacrificed and then killed seven of her friends and then herself. Like, I was just like, oh, girl, that she is that's tough. That's tough. You know what I mean? And I'm just watching it. I'm like, dang. Why her? Like, all this terrible bloodshed and heartbreak in this town, year after year, decade after decade, century after century, for what? For what? At the end of the day. Why are you doing this? Also, it's summer camp. We're here to have fun and make memories and long-lasting friendships, not suffer trauma, and then break our legs in a hole and then see a bumping, beating heart. And the names carved into a wall yeah. of people you don't know. <laughs> like, this is not what I signed up for when I paid $200 to send my kids to your camp for five weeks out of the year. Okay? Yeah. Leave and this me. is, like, I think the first night that they're all there, right? It's Isn't it, like, the, one of the first nights that they all arrive? It's like The kids haven't even gone canoeing there. yet. And already. <laughs> it's over. Camp is over, guys. No tie-dye. Sorry. No color war. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, it's you know no... what you get though. Hmm. You got an axe to the head. Congratulations, summer camp, twenty-eight. You know what you get? A lifetime of trauma. <laughs> That's what you take away. You yeah. get trauma. Listen, I I know camp. you lost a friend that you made just two hours ago, but you're gonna have a really interesting college essay. I'm telling you that right now. Yeah. Let me tell you something. You're getting in, babe. Oh, baby. You're going, Ivy. You're going. You're going. Okay? Let me tell you something. The kid from Pakistan who has perfect grades, he ain't got nothing on you. Let me tell you. Oh. It's done. It's a Absolutely. done deal. Wrap it up. Package it. I love, I love 78. I think it's the best for so many reasons. I feel like the pacing's the best. Like, I, like we were mentioning before, like, as soon as it starts cooking, it does not stop. Mm-hmm. I feel like the blood mm-hmm. and the gore, like, the kills are just so ruthless. Like, mm-hmm. even that little boy with the glasses gets an axe to the face. Like, no one is safe in no, this movie. And it doesn't pull any punches. And then Alice, like, we, we think Alice is going to help the sisters at the end. She, like, she has her moment. You know, she's like, I've been waiting my whole life to stop this curse. Like, let's do this. I can I can hobble along with you guys. And then mm-hmm. she just gets an axe to the chest immediately after her big speech. It's just, like, they're so, they're so good at just giving us that hope and then just ripping it away and being mm-hmm. like, no, remember, this is a curse and no one is safe. Mm-hmm. And it leads to that big moment at the end that is just, like we said before, like so emotional. Yeah. That's what I really do love about Fear Street, like you just said. Because we're not, listen, you're not watching Heartstopper. All right. Look, it's a horror movie, mm-hmm. baby. Okay. Yeah. The kids are going to die. All right. The one queer girl, she gone. Okay. She's gone. She's gone. That one really nice kid at the beginning who was a really sweet boyfriend to homegirl. Yeah, he's the killer. It's over. Yeah, you're going to watch things crawl out of the ground where the weird little sigil is. Like, that's just it. And I also like, I'm very happy that the second movie 
is keeping the tempo and so bloody and gory, but also starts answering the questions that we had from the first movie. Because, of course, you're just kind of like, okay, well, who's Sarah? What's her deal? What's with the grave? Why is she possessed? And now you see in, you know, the second film why um, Sam is possessed and what's going on. And it kind of, like, opens our eyes to, like, the mythology behind the curse. And, like, how it's affected people for so long and why this has been going on for forever now and how to stop it and why it's not so easy to stop the curse and not so simple. Y'all thought you could put a hand next to a grave and that would be it. Sorry, baby. Sorry. Nope. That's not it. I totally agree. I totally agree. I feel like they really drive it home that this is like not a breakable curse. If it was breakable, this wouldn't have been going on for so long. Someone else would have figured it out by now. And then y'all wouldn't have to deal with this at all. We would have been done. They try so hard. That's the worst part. They really give it their all. Like Mm -hmm. even at the end when she's like, okay, Ziggy, you run. And she faces off against the she faces off against evil tommy with the shovel and like obviously she gets absolutely murked but mm-hmm. like that valiance in her that bravery like oh my god it's such a good arc for that character and just such a good like way to show the audience that even like you can be the bravest version of yourself and still lose in the face of this evil that's how powerful it is mm-hmm. yeah um <clears throat> I have to say, the scene where they're, um, I think it's below the house, and they're, like, in the cave, that's when I was like, ooh, okay, discovery, all right. And then we found the beating chest, and I was like, oh, we gotta go. We gotta go. That's when I would have been like, you know what? I'm packing my bags. I'm leaving. I'm stealing that bus. I'm out of here. I'm sorry. If everyone else dies except me... I've done my job. Like, yeah. y'all got it. Y'all good? Okay. Great. Good to know. Good to know. Like, it also has the best twist, too. Like, because you spend the whole movie thinking that the one sister is going to survive, and then it, she's not the one who survives at all. Gosh. Which they actually give that away in the beginning. That's mm-hmm. another Easter egg. I don't know if a lot of people caught on, but <laughs> when... So we think that Cindy, the older sister, is the one who survives and is telling the story because... You know, her initials are C. Berman. And we don't think that it's Ziggy because we don't we think her name is Ziggy except for the Z. But in the very beginning, after, you know, they're trying to hang her and, like, she gets burnt on her arm and whatnot, she goes to see Nurse Lane. In that scene where she's getting that ointment on her arm, they give the whole ending away. And that's, like, I think the third scene. Because basically Ziggy, when the nurse is putting the ointment on her, she's like, oh, that's so gross. And the nurse says to her, you'll survive. Oh, and that's what they give it away that she's actually the sister that lives. I did not pick up. I on know. That. I, oh my gosh. I know. When I, when you rewatch and yeah. you hear her, you're like, wait like, a minute. Are you a witch? Hold on. <laughs> it's you. You. It's her. It was her all along. Mm. But yeah, no, that's one of the one of the like little Easter eggs that they give at the very beginning of the movie that tells you like, okay, we're actually gonna completely turn this on its head at the end. Yeah. When I was watching it the second time, she was like, You'll survive. I was like, Yeah, she does. But they didn't click in my head that like that was literally like mm, you know. She manifested that. She did she really manifested. For real. Listen. Y'all gotta get on that. It was a blessing, guys. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, Sheila. Thanks for burning me. Literally. Thank you for almost 
Yeah. Because it brought me to this. You know what? Thank you, Sheila. Thanks. <laughs> I hated that girl. Oh my god. I could have left her in the shed. I don't know why Sadie Singh went out to try to save her. I was like, girl. Hey, let her die! I, <laughs> if anything, she's safer than you are out in the open. She's in this locked room. No yeah. Problem. Yeah. The roaches. That's fine. Mm hmm. I mean, sometimes. You could have shimmied her down to the tunnel. No problem. If one person deserved to die, it was that girl. She was doing too much. I mean, when they started boxing each other, I was like, oh, okay. You know what? I hear yeah, they're like fist fighting. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all are brutal. She's squared up and then she knocks her out. I'm like, holy, what's going on in Shady Side? Yeah. They're doing pickup fights in the streets. Yeah. Y'all have like. That girl was ready with the one two punch, the yeah. right hook, knocked her, knocked her out for like 10 minutes. You're right. Them kids got anger issues. Those kids are mad. They're big mad. Okay. I mean, I would be too if my town was the murder capital of the world and I couldn't do anything about it. I would be pissed. I would probably start boxing lessons too. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. I'll probably start fighting anybody who looks at me strange. I'll just be like, you know what? It's murder capital murder capital for a reason, bitch. You're going down. Sorry. It's your day. And, and we can't even we can't even start unpacking the sheriff in this movie either. Because the whole time it's him. The one that's serving up these baby ciders. Like, it's all him at the end. Like, and he's trying to win Sadie Sink over. Like, oh, I care about you. I like the weird girl from Shady Side. It's like, what do you mean? No, you don't. Kick rocks. You like you. Eat trash. Burn hell. Convince oh somebody God, else. We're not buying what you're selling. Get out of my face. Leave. Yeah. Eject. Full you're gone. Of that guy. He, I hated him. Hate his character. Everything. I Nick Good. It's even worse because he's played by that guy from Secession. Like, have you seen Secession? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. And it just, again, even worse. Makes it worse. It's hate so... Him. I hate his character. Especially hate... in the third movie. The third movie, I'm like, I can't believe I'm watching this right now. Oh. I'll box this guy. Oh my gosh. I do want to say, like, in the end... Okay. When they decide to like, try and end the curse... I was so sad when I realized that, like, they're just going to die there. Like, the two of them are going to die. And I was so upset. And also, like, my heart just goes out to, like, Ziggy. She spent the whole movie just beefing with her sister. At the very end, they have this heart-to-heart -heart moment, only for her sister to end up dead. Like, yeah. You're right. You're, her sister really was giving, like, final girl energy. She was giving final, like, bad bitch energy. She's like, I'm a boss, all right? She's like, I'm in my Sasha Fierce moment, okay? She was really ready to just, like, take it all down, burn it down. She's like, I'm killing my boyfriend. I'm taking, I'm I'm saving my sister. I'm getting out here alive. When the sun comes up, I'm going to be on both my feet. And she was just on her back. Next to a grave. Like, that's tough. Uh, jerks, are you still there? I think you, like, I don't know what happened, but your screen is black and I cannot see or hear you. Um, 
yeah okay i'm gonna keep it going so end of part two cindy realizes that the killers after ziggy drops the hand sacrifices herself the two are murdered the killers disappear nick finds them and then you know gives ziggy cpr so she is alive now and then um Oh, there we go. Hello. Okay, you're back. You're back. Okay, good. We're getting very heated with the conversation. (laughs) Discord could not handle it. Discord couldn't. They couldn't handle it. They're like, this is too much. Oh, too hot right now. I guess you gotta slow it down. Sorry. All this talk about murder, like, a lot of energy here. A lot of energy. Like, I'm gonna shut you down. I'm gonna just shut you down right now. (laughs) Y'all gotta cool off just for a second, please. I I need to give you some time to breathe. All right. For me. (laughs) <sighs> okay but so yeah no now we're at the part where they figure out the body's at the mall right the body's at the mall right or the the hand is at the mall okay. the hand is under the tree at the mall and then the body is where the car crashed you gotta like reunite bones oh right 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 right, right, right. they have to reunite it's the so car. wild yeah so wild because go to the tree thinking that it's there and it's not there which mm-hmm. is like such a gut punch horror movie ending mm-hmm. that of course it's not there but uh, my girl cindy they did her so dirty yes it was so like i'm seeing them running and i'm like okay we're about to end this it's gonna be over and then it's not it's like well now what now what do we do yeah i'm heartbroken that yes but um we find out what happens with sarah fire what actually happened with her in the third season not the third season the third movie the third season like yeah. this tv show and i also do want to say the second movie was really good at just talking about like laying out like the truth of the curse like first you have like real life application and then second one is like how the curse is affecting different generations, not just like the first one. And the last movie is like, well, how did the curse come to be in the first place? And I love that because I did see some critiques online of people saying that like a trilogy for her movies may seem like a little extra because you have three movies and you're putting, yeah, it's like a weird release schedule and it's like too long, but it actually works. Cause first of all, these movies are good. All right, the writing's good, the acting's good, the pace is good, the story is great, okay? And the kills keep coming, girl, okay? And they're scary, and I like it. And then, I think the movie, the movies are good because they're not too long, because there are some movies where they'll drag out the dialogue and they'll drag out the exp- ex- exposition, but not give you enough kills and not give you enough horror or not give you enough like guts and gore to like really make it feel like a horror. So then it feels like a thriller in suspense, but you're really just listening to people talk. So it's kind of like, uh, why am I here? I was meant to be scared and I'm not getting what I want. Like I feel disappointed, but this movie has like the perfect mix of all that together. And yeah, it's in three different movies, but do you want three movies or do you want three seasons? Which one is it? Or do you want one season of television with 10 episodes, but the story is rushed and there are some answers left missing and some characters are not well flushed out. Like, 
I think that Fear Street is this unique example of like storytelling done right in a completely different way than how it's usually done, but it's still like such a great body of work. You know, I just love the trailer totally. so much. Yeah, I think it was perfect. Honestly, like I wouldn't have changed a single thing in its pacing or its length or and uh, how it was released. I think as a trilogy of movies, it worked really, really well, actually. I think it would have been interesting to see them try and release three movies in theaters. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like that, that would have been, been... I don't know if it would have been hard because like there are movies that do like movie marathons. You know what I mean? Like, um, there's a movie theater in my town that does, like, Studio Ghibli movie marathons. And every so often, they'll have, like, the Jurassic Park or the Fast and Furious, you know, marathons, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's fun. It is a lot of fun. I mean, I haven't gone to the Fast and Furious one. Studio Ghibli one, I haven't done that yet. But it is something that's pretty popular. However, with horror movies, I feel like there's a certain, you know, you definitely need that breathing room. You definitely need that, like, time to, like, catch yourself and, like, be like, okay. So, I just watched... Remind yourself it wasn't real. <laughs> I just watched someone get hit in the chest with an axe over and over again. <laughs> um, Am I okay? <laughs> am I good? Was it me? It wasn't me, right? Okay, all right. I just, I, I, you know, you just kind of feel it sometimes. Because whenever I see, like, someone get an axe in the head at me, I'm like, ooh, ooh. Oh. Yeah, especially these movies. They get, like, he hits them so hard with the axe in the second one. Like, they fly into the wall with the axe. And, like, I I can't imagine what that feels like. I don't no. even want to think about. And Cindy, at the end, he just keeps going. Like, axe to the chest mm-hmm. over and mm-hmm. over and over. And you're like, oh, my God. Okay, you know, it's been 10, ten jabs. Like, you think he's you think he's going to stop? And he's like, 10 jabs. Just, just keeps going. Yep. Get him. I don't know what he was doing. Get him. Got him. Gone. Every time. Definitely gone. Poor girl. Definitely and another gone. thing I love about... What I love about 78, too, is I feel like it's the best production design out of mm-hmm. all of them. I know all of them have, you know, 1666 really goes back in time. So that's a really impressive in its own way. But I feel like, especially when you're doing a movie that really just leaps from reality in the sense of like we're now talking about like supernatural and witchcraft and all these things you really have to have what the visuals grounded in reality i mm-hmm. feel like the production design mm-hmm. down to like the cabins and the shirts and and everything the wardrobe and and and, and the flags hanging and ev- just everything really makes you believe that you are in 1978 i think they did that so 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 well i feel like um i think the production designer his name is what's his name a uh, scott cuzio and then the set designer was kevin crooks mm-hmm. like i feel like that's one of the biggest flexes of second movie is how well they built the world visually oh yeah seeing the difference between like 1994 and then 1978 the set design and the costume design is impeccable at that yeah. because you feel like you're at camp like you feel like you're there you're gonna roast you're going to make some s'mores, you know, you feel like you're going to sing the campfire song and you're going to tell scary stories, not being a scary story, but, you know, beggars can't be choosers, so. 
Yeah, no, I definitely loved it. like everything about it visually. I think they're really blew it out of the park, and I think that's a really underrated part of the trilogy. I feel like people just always find things to be mad about. I can't believe they found like, like they're mad about how it was released, like that it's three movies. Like it's a really good story, and everything mm -hmm. about the craft of it is really well built. So I feel like people should just stop being mad and yeah. give it another chance. There are some people that are upset that like there's a little bit of romance in the second movie, which there's always some kind of couple in a horror film. The whole thing is a romance. It's all about her trying to save her girlfriend. That's like the whole literally. Story. Like, oh, like when? Are we not watching the same movie? Hello. People just always find something to complain about. Like, there what was... did you want more kills? Because there's plenty of kills. There's in more than game. enough. But what else you want? Girl, there's more than enough in there. Let me tell you. Okay. <laughs> After seeing that movie a couple times, it's there was one <laughs> review I saw where someone said the kills were very inventive, and then someone else said like, "Oh, the kills felt very samey." I'm like, samey. So we pushed them through a meat grinder. Did we push them through a meat grinder twice? Did we? No, yeah, like, we didn't. Like, they're saying because he's an axe. Yeah, if he's an axe killer, then everyone's probably going to die by the axe. Do you want him to really pick up a pitchfork? A gun? Yeah. Why is there a gun at summer camp? Hello? He got to work with what he got. Like, mm -hmm. just randomly hear gunshots. Yeah. Math for no reason. And now we're getting into the third part, Fear Street Part 3, 1666, which, of course, it has to have 666 in the title, because, you know, it's a horror movie. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? This one's actually my second favorite, after 1970. So you like the first one the least? I mean, yes, like, if we have to rank them, yeah. but I don't dislike I really do like 1994 as well, mm -hmm. but I just really love 1666 too. I feel like that one's the biggest leap of the mm -hmm. three, and to stick that landing, especially with the story they tell and like the way that the end wraps up, I feel like you really have to know what you're doing, and I think they pulled it off. So that's why I really love it, and also the message, of course, with like you know the the town hysteria and you know the homophobic undertones and how that really was something that happened a lot back in history. I feel like that really makes you look at, you know, the image of the evil witch completely differently because now you're realizing like, oh my God, this is not the witch's fault. You know, this is, this has been wrong for 300 years now. No, absolutely. You're definitely right. And I remember seeing the end of the second movie and seeing the girl get launched into Sarah's body. Like when she turns around someone calls Sarah, I'm like, okay, here we go. We about to wrap this up. We about to put it yeah. into this. We're done. I love that too. I, as soon as I saw that the first time, I was like, let's go. I need to see everything that comes next. Like mm -hmm. I thought it was such a great, I'm talking about how the first one perfectly segues into the second one. I feel the same about how the second one segues into the third. I feel like they're all just so seamlessly blended together. I, I love oh, yeah. how the second one. Oh yeah. I love how they're all connected with one another, you know, cause like the first one obviously revolves around a group of teenagers who like encounter the ancient evil who's responsible for like the series of brutal murders within their town. And of course it's the, the name there's like Sarah fire, curse of a witch keeps popping up and everything like that and then you see it in the second movie as well where the same force that's been 
curse that is responsible for all these murders in this town has been been like terrorizing the town for like over 300 years at this point same group of teenage friends accidentally encounter it and have to deal with a series of brutal forces to survive you know they're just trying to live okay like and also i was, try to go to class yes yes and trying to go in the canoe I was trying to have a fun time with my gal pal, and now my leg is broken. The bone is out. Girl, like, I'm... that girl specifically, she was trying to have a good time. She yes. For the pills, the, the, the plants, all of it. She was like, I'm here for a good time. I'm here to let time. loose and, and have that, fun. All right, it's the summer. All right. And she got to uh, axe the chest, which, of course, it's not what you want when you sign up for summer camp. All right. That's not what you're asking for. Well, I mean, speak for yourself. That, that's, that is what I want. Okay. <laughs> ah. All right. R.I.P. Alice. R.I.P. Girl. We love you, Queen. We stand. Okay, so part three. Um, definitely giving Crucible. Even with, like, Miller. Like, okay. Arthur Miller. Come on now. Like. Yeah, it's other ones i think her mom's name is goody too like goody proctor mm-hmm. i feel like they really and there's another character named abigail like they were really like you're watching the crucible babe yeah like we're we're, we're, I love. we're <clears throat> reimagining all right for the new kids for the young generation you're welcome okay yeah. tell your teachers you learned something new on the weekend <clears throat> okay um you said that the third one is your second best. Why don't you... Oh, your second favorite. So why don't you go ahead and tell me what you like the most about the third movie? Well, what I like the most about it is how they ground... Because, like, the first two, the horror really comes from the curse and the killers. Mm-hmm. And the third, the horror really comes from, you know, the discrimination and the hysteria of the town. Because... Yeah, there's a few scenes where, you know, we see the Pastor Miller is killing the kids and, you know, the evil starts infesting the town and what have you. But ultimately, the scary thing, and then that's what uh, Kiana Madera's character, Dina, originally er, ends up telling Sam at the end. She's like, I'm mm-hmm. not scared of the devil. I'll go and make this deal with the devil. I'm scared of my neighbor. I'm scared of the woman who will hang her daughter. I'm mm-hmm. scared of how these people are more willing to, you know, kill us then accept us like that's the scary thing and i think that is the humanity in the story and i think that's why the second one is or the third one sorry is so powerful to me because it really feels like we are in a real story because that is something that happens in the real world every day people are discriminated against and and people die all the time because of who they are and how they identify and who they love so I think that was probably the most intelligent form of the storytelling. And I think that the horror in that was probably the most individual because it doesn't come necessarily from the witch because, you know, this is the, the story of the witch. It doesn't really come from that. It comes more from the town and the people in the town and the threat that they pose to these young girls' lives, even mm-hmm. though they're just regular people. <clears throat> it always comes down to that, doesn't it? It's just young teenage girls just being young teenage girls and then everybody gotta be like witchcraft which is yeah which is like no just because they're trying to make out like leave the girls alone babe 
they were trying to eat berries in the woods and dance around the fire and then they got discovered like if you don't let me like be a carpet muncher in peace like why can't i get a break hello it's night you don't let me eat this berry right now it is 1666 what else can they do what else is there to do I also love that. I love that they like all at the very start of the movie. They're like, "Ooh, it's gonna be a fruitful night." Like that's how they were like communicating. Nowadays, you like text in the group chat with the girls, like, "We're going out tonight," but that's like their version of it in sixty six. They're like, "Ooh, a fruitful night." I'll see you in the woods later, kind of thing. Like I love that. I thought that was so much fun. Oh yeah, like little code names and everything, just like being sly, being slick, having some fun. And gosh, watching the movie and. Also, somebody had pointed this out to me that this kind of does happen in horror films and other movies as well. Whenever there's a character at the center of your film and there's kind of like a side character, not too important, just kind of there, you know what I mean? Not really in the action. And they're just like the good guy, the ally, the friend. Mm -hmm. Don't trust them. Immediately suspicious. (laughs) Yes. Especially in 1666. Like if you're... If you're an ally to that mm-hmm. in 1666, I'm going to second guess what's going on yeah. in your backstory. Literally, his name is Good. Nick Good. Solomon like there's something Good. Mm-mm. No. No. It's like, it's like hit, it's hiding in plain sight. Like, you are, you're not going to trick me. You can't get me. All right? I... I I see. Also, like he loves her or something like that. That was also something that I realized when rewatching that they had some sort of like romantic friendship there, where like she was supposed to marry him and he loved her, and then at the end he's like trying to kill her. Like I, all of that is just scream psychopath to me. Mm. Especially because, correct me if I'm wrong, Sarah Fire is the same age as Dina, so she's a teenager. Solomon Good is like a grown man, so it's like yeah. a thirty, like mid thirties, trying to date like a late teen at that, probably seventeen, eighteen years old. It's like, which I know I feel I like, can, like and that was probably normal. Yeah, but still, it's gross. It's still strange. Yeah, so strange. Yeah, 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 like he wants to get his wife. Like he had a baby and a wife like previously to mm-hmm. that, so that's makes it a little bit more questionable what happened to your what happened to his baby and his wife was that explained in the movie? like i think yeah she that's basically his motivation for why he ends up seeking out the devil because oh. his wife was pregnant and she died he's like well i'm tired of life giving me all of this misfortune i'm gonna take what i oh, want yeah, and yeah, kill yeah. everybody for generations to come oh yeah oh yeah, yeah yeah he did say that he did mention that right She's like, I get it, you know, like, I'm so sorry for your loss. But also, like, there's probably now, like, 800 people who have died now because of what you did. So, yeah, let's unpack that. I don't get it. I don't mean, maybe you should just move on stop being a little bitch. How about that? I'm, I'm sorry your wife died. I'm sorry your baby died. But, like, honest to God, just get down on your knees and just pray for some comfort and move on. Like, for real? Uh, I'm going to kill my girl Cindy. Because have... you lost your wife? You want to make a deal with the devil? For real? Baby, what's dead is dead. You're in the land of the living. It is what it is. Simply that. Like, she died. You're going to die in three years. You live in 1600s. 
you're next. You're going to yeah. see her soon anyways. So why are you being a little bitch? I mean, I know that's harsh, but he's also a murderer, so. <laughs> and if the devil can resurrect all these killers, why wasn't he resurrecting your wife? Like, why did you go with this specific spell? Mm. Why couldn't we go with the spell that brings the wife back? No, I feel like we could have just handled this a little bit different, Solomon Good, but, you know, to each his own. I'm not going to put any toes here, but I feel like we could have gone down a different road. I was so sad that my wife and baby died, so I decided to be a big baller and get money, money, money. But what are you going to do with all that money? What are you going to do with all those riches? What are you going to do with all those sheep? Like, seriously. Yeah, he's going to buy another pig. <laughs> the whole thing. He's going to buy the... maybe another duck. The whole thing with the animals in the third movie, I was just like, oh, girl. I know we do gore, but, like, can we, like, slow it down a little bit? Like, what's going on here? This is a lot for me. It's worse watching a horror movie when you're eating, because it's like, God. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to Especially... enjoy my food, and I can't because this is on my screen. No, and you know they all smell. Well, that was the one thing I was doing when I was watching the movie. I was just picturing how badly they all oh smell. Oh my god, Jurgen! And they're like, <laughs> Jurgen, you're like, like they stink. The and she's going down on her, and I'm like, stop, stop. You don't have a shower. No. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like. What's real? And then the Mad Tom guy just looked like he'd never showered ever. And he's just oh, going off about what everyone else in town is doing wrong. And I'm like, babe, why don't we focus on you for a minute? Spa, shower, the soap. Jump Start in there. a river. Let's Damn. Anything. Wait for it to rain and stand outside. Literally anything. This guy's covered in must. And he's like, you know who has the devil in them? It's you. And it's like, no, Mad Thomas. I think if anyone is the, like problem here it's you babe yeah truly truly um she actually said the director lee janiak when she was because they filmed 1666 first mm-hmm. she said that she was so impressed by that guy's performance the guy who plays matt thomas that she actually made because he's the killer in, in at camp nightwing in the second one she actually wanted him to wear the mask only at the very end and have him be maskless for the majority of the movie. Because she was like, I don't know why I'm putting a mask on you. You're such a great actor. Mm-hmm. Which just I goes mean, to show how well he did at playing Matt Thomas in 1666. Yeah. And I feel like him putting on the mask near the end of the second movie does tie into, of course, the first movie of us seeing the mask killer. It was honestly a really smart choice in terms in the director because of how the movies kind of line up. It's a great moment too when she like tries to suffocate him and he survives mm-hmm. and then the light like I love that I love that moment. Oh yeah, that was good. That was good. <clears throat> okay, so oh my gosh, the third movie truly just like it did hurt me because of what you said. You know, like these are just two like young girls in love and the town is just like they're witches. They're going to be hanged. And so Sarah is like, you know what? I'm going to save you, girl. I'm going to do whatever it is I can to, like, make you free. She tries to find the book. She can't find the book. And then she she figures out the widow's dead. So she goes to Solomon because she's like, oh, Solomon's my friend. He'll help me out. You know, he's got my back. And she finds a secret tunnel under his house. Let me tell you something, y'all. Secret tunnels, caves, passageways, 
hidden rooms. That's when you know you gotta go. If somebody Red has, flag. you got a secret room in your house, you up to something that is shady. You are shady. All right. I can't trust you. Because why do you have a room that no one else can get into but you? What's going on? What's in there? Hello? And of course, we discover uh, he has made a deal with the devil. He has um, sacrificed the pastor of all people to like you know, be his sacrifice so he can get his money and his riches and power and his glory. And I found it weird that like he was into her because it was, it's that thing that I've experienced a lot where I'm like, a girl is nice to a guy and they're friends. And the guy reads it as like attraction. It's like, oh, I, that, no, I'm sorry. We crossed wires here. Like that wasn't it. And then he straight up was like, oh, you don't want to be with me? You don't be my wife and have eight of my kids and be rich with me? And like, okay, so I guess you're just going to die. All right? I'm taking your hand. I'm taking your body. It's done. It's over with. And... Yeah, he took her hand. Oh, my God. Oh that my scene is over. She's like, poor girl's got... <laughs> oh, my God, bro. Stop. When he, like, the final bit, when the hand comes off, I was like... End it! End it! End it! End it! <laughs> Please! If he cuts off my hand and then says, I love you, I'm sorry. Master manipulator. I don't know. You must think I, I'm I dumb. You love me? You love me? <laughs> that doesn't feel like love, babe. Stab, stab, stab. That doesn't feel like love. Sorry. I don't know how you was treating your wife, but like... Mm. Mm -mm. No. No, not at all. So, um, yeah, it does suck that, like, basically she escaped just to get hung in the end. And for her to be like, I'm cursing you and the rest of this town. And you know what? When watching the movie, I'm like, you know what, girl? I get it. I understand. All right. I support her. Sometimes you got to support women's wrongs. You know? <laughs> Sometimes you do. I... I, that scene is so emotional, like, especially down to the music that they use. That's the same score that they use at the beginning when mm. Maya Hawk's character dies. Like, it's just, it, it's so well done and it's so evocative because you're watching it and you feel it. And then it flashes back to, like, you know, between Dina and the actual Seraphir and back again. And Oh, my God, it's just it's so emotional. And one of the, like, one of the images from that scene that really stays with me is how when she's hanging there, everybody just walks away. Mm -hmm. Everybody just kind of, like, mm -hmm. goes about their day and just continues their life. Like, that's such a powerful moment for me because I'm like, oh, my God, as if they're going to go just have lunch. You know, mm -hmm. they just hanged this girl and did this ginormous atrocity, and they're just going to go and enjoy their little chicken. I feel like... The townspeople must be really stupid. You see all these terrible things happening in your town and your thought is to kill some teenage girl who somehow caused a terrible curse to happen because she is in love with another girl. And then after you kill her, bad things are still happening in the town. So then what's the solution? So what's the solution? Because obviously the first one wasn't working. So, hello? <laughs> I, I mean, you have to solve for X and we still haven't found the answer. So maybe we should rework the equation. I'm confused. Like, uh, but that's what happens. They're with not hysteria. the brightest. Yeah, that's what happens with like hysteria. People will feed onto it and latch onto fear, and it is a driving force. And it it puts people into mob mentality where they don't use logic. They don't use reason. They don't use any kind of like 
common sense to figure things out. The critical thinking is lacking, obviously, because it's 1666 and nobody showers or drinks like clean water. But I feel like <sighs> sentencing young women to death, you really think that's going to solve your problems? You think it's hormonal teenagers that are messing up your town? I mean, I feel like even now people think that that is a solution. It's like, I just don't, just blame, I just don't get it. Just blame the new generation. Blame women. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. People are like, you know what? I'm just going to blame women. Yeah. Yeah. You know. And that's, whole... a, that's a powerful message for the, mm-hmm. for the movie, honestly. I mean, truly, it is. And when we come back to, like, the present in 94, and they realize that, like, they have to kill uh, Nick. I'm like, in that now, listen, it's a horror movie, of course. But in my head, I'm like, we're gonna kill the cop, the sheriff. And we're just gonna get away with this. Are you sure? <laughs> are you sure people are gonna believe the curse thing? Cause I think we should come up with another plan. Oh no, we're gonna do it. Okay. They just went for it. They, they just went for it. They're like, screw it. This is what's gonna happen. This is what it is. We see visions, all right? She was like, I was just in 6066. I don't care if you don't believe me. That guy got to go, all right? I saw him. I saw his ancestor, and I see this guy right here in front of me with a badge and a gun. He got to go, all right? He's meeting Solomon tonight, yes. All the way. I was applauding. I was like, let's go. Let's go get him. Yeah, I was on my feet. Especially when C. Berman, Ziggy comes back, and she sets him up, and I'm like, that's the payoff that I need. Come on. That's exactly that's what we wanted to see. Yes. I do have to say, when they're like, you know, using Dina's blood for the plan, I'm like, mmm. Okay. There are some parts of the horror movie when I'm there's some there are some parts where I'm watching the trilogy. I'm like, mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's cool, it's cool, it's cool. You got it, you got it, you got it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's fine. It's fine. It's like I know it's a horror movie, and I know what I signed up for, but you just kind of, like, sit there, and you're pausing, and you're like, oh, like, all logic. We're really doing that. Yeah, we're going there. <laughs> we're going there, you know? I should have known. When they pushed her head through the meat grinder, and that girl stopped, the second she stopped screaming, I was like, I should, I, I no longer should be surprised by the things that are happening here. The meat grinder really set the bar. Really and, set the bar. And then the beating heart in the cave. And then the things crawling out of the murk. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Really? Really don't know what to expect for the movies, which was the best part about them. Yes. That's what I like the most about Fear Street. It's not predictable at all. Like, no. I feel like, of course, if you're like, a movie, a horror movie um, fanatic. Maybe you would have picked on, picked up on the fact that like the guy named Good might be the catalyst for like all the terrible things that are happening in this town. He may be the reason why all these things are happening. But figuring everything out and still like being surprised by every little thing really just like made me love this these movies even more. Because sometimes I can get turned off by gore and like horror and all that stuff, but. This movie just did it so masterfully. I mean, and even to like the very last moment, we're in the mall, 
And I'm not gonna lie, I forgot about like the whole blood thing. That like the killers are attracted to like certain person's blood. I did forget about that <laughs> to the end. So when we get to the end part with the killers, I'm like, oh, okay, got it. No, that's smart. That's actually smart. I wouldn't have thought about that. That's good. Have them kill each other then, rather than all of us trying to kill three killers at once when they could just pick us off and then like be done. You know, in less than a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's smart. That's smart. That's why I can't be in a horror movie because I can't think of those things. I can't think of those things. Someone's going to think of that and they're going to be like, oh, I got to get Monica. Oh, Monica's dead. Mm. She gone. In she the gone. First movie. Do the meat grinder. <laughs> <laughs> she gone. I'm going to accidentally like shoot myself and the killer's going to be like, oh, okay. So I don't have to do anything. Like, <laughs> that would be me. Stare at the axe like. Okay, so I guess I'm good. Okay, on to the next victim then. Thanks for doing my job for me. Great. Awesome. Love to see it. It's so true though. I feel like the movie's just it, it wrapped up so perfectly at the end, mm-hmm. especially like the ice and like what they do at the end to try to beat all the killers, and then the way she faces off against him over the witch's mark. I, I honestly loved it. I thought it was a perfect ending. Oh my gosh. Um, also, how did Nick find the tunnel? I'm trying to remember the tunnel in the mall. I think the dads, dads like always show them. Like, as the generations go on. Oh, right. They, like, give, they'll, like, pass on the book and the suit and the magic, and they'll show them, like, their way through the tunnel. So I feel like that's how he knew where to go. Oh, yeah, the suit, book, magic. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. You're Casual. Right. The, usual, the usual thing that you do with your father-son Normal relationship. father-son on the secrets of the- bonding activities. Hey, son. <laughs> Satanism. literally like ready or not like we're rich we sell games you know it is what it is love that movie oh my gosh love that movie i'm not gonna lie um i watched ready or not just like randomly on a whim and what became one of my favorite movies so quickly also samara samara weaving die for her i'll die for her (laughs) i'll die for her she is the queen of the genre love her five also the fact that um it's adrian brody right it's in the movie yeah oh my oh, gosh i was like boy oh my gosh i haven't seen it forever where's you been my king yeah. oh my gosh he'll be like in that movie too. he is so good Ugh. Yeah. yeah that's another example of like having a film with a really good premise and not a lot of like well-known actors in the movie like it just carries it. It carries it so well. And those those kills, movie, they don't pull back. I'm not going to lie. I, w- with the kids? Listen. Oh, fuck the kids. <laughs> I hated those kids. For oh, real. God. For real. It could have gone in worse ways and I would have been happy. Like, mm. I hate those kids. In that movie. No, seriously. More than Sheila. I, I hate those kids more than that Sheila girl in 78. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I feel that. I feel that. Okay, so I uh, we're at the end of the Fear Street trilogy. Um, I'm not gonna lie, the very last moment where Nick almost kills Dina, and then he starts having like a vision of all the killer's victims. I low key thought his head was gonna explode. Like in my head, I thought that's what was gonna happen. 
like he becomes so overwhelmed with like the carnage and the brutal savagery that his family has put this town through for centuries that he is overwhelmed with guilt that he just like dies he has a heart attack and simply dies like that obviously wouldn't have been a satisfying enough death so killing him like shooting him is better you know getting him in the eye better much better yeah she gotta have that big final girl moment oh yeah yeah absolutely of course absolutely I mean that's what we absolutely love to see and I'm glad that Dina and Sam finally get to imagine like this movie this trilogy is like over five hours long or whatever and it takes place over like two days okay imagine (laughs) you break up with the girl you were dating because she's in the closet and then a bunch of people die and you come out of the closet and you guys are a couple now but then you have to figure out some other thing going on and you go on this mystical supernatural adventure and they have to kill the sheriff all in a matter of days in a matter of three days your life has been turned upside down yeah it's just a gay experience <laughs> that's just, just what the gays typical go coming of age story guys <laughs> look i do love though at the end because when it's sarah fear and hannah miller in 1666 before they're about to be hung or hanged mm-hmm. she says she's like i'm gonna get you out of fear and we're gonna kiss in the broad daylight and then at the end of the movie when we go back to 94 and it's dina and sam they start kissing in the broad daylight and i'm yes. like oh my god like she kept her promise kind of like Oh, yeah. I just, I love that. I love that they got their happy ending. That never happens in movies, ever. Especially for the queer characters. So Yes. Also, I'm glad that the good family realized that the truth was their curse. And it really was, because the last of your line was, saw the truth of what happened with the curse their family has put upon this town, just so the other town could be rich and prosperous. And then you die. You die, girl. Cause you got you I... you got what was coming to you. For real. Don't I miss mean, him. Don't it's miss... also I would say it's really sick. It is really sick and twisted of you to be like, oh, this town that I live in and I reside in is beautiful and prosperous and happy. And this town full of the victims that I will sacrifice so I can continue to be prosperous and happy happy, will deal with the consequences of the actions of my ancestors for years just so we can live in an upper middle class lifestyle. Y'all have to be real sick and twisted in the head to think that that's okay. Just be like, oh, my family said it for generations. It's fine. It's whatever. You know, we're not bad people. We're we're the we're the good family. We're the good family. Re-elect my father as mayor. Y'all really gotta be like lacking in knowledge to be like that's fine. And also, what did they really lose by killing the sheriff? Because people were dying for years. Sheriff was obviously not sheriffing. But what did we really lose? He couldn't do his job because if he did his job, he would have. A lot of times I thought, like, he would have just ended it. He knew he was the problem. He knew he was the issue. Of course he was going to sit behind and do nothing. He was like, I'm watching over this town full of my victims. Y'all really think I'm going to lift a finger? And also, like, police people do not... Like, you work in the police department. You don't make that much money. What are you doing living in Sunnyvale? Hello? 
Also, Sunnyvale, Shadyside. Girl, <laughs> the fakest names I've ever heard of. Literally, so <laughs> fake. Not real. Those are the two, probably the only two things that I would change about this movie is mm-hmm. the names. I know they had, like, tried to make right by the books because that's what they're called in the books but like those are probably the two little campy things about the movie is or the series is the names of the towns i would say yeah absolutely sunnyvale a little on the nose sunnyvale shady side mm-hmm. oh whatever i love the series still yes. ended great you stand here and of course there was the mid-credit scene where an unknown person steals the book the rotted curse and I have no idea who that person was. Obviously a white person, but... Um, yeah. Excuse me. I, I mean, of course, you have to leave it on like some kind of cliffhanger. Kind of like Carrie. You know? The bloodied hand coming out the grave, grabbing the girl. You gotta give us a cliffhanger. You gotta leave the audience wanting more. But me, personally, I wanna say I'm good. Okay? I watched all three of your movies. Alright? I saw it all. I've seen it three times at this point. So if y'all want to make a series, if y'all trying to do a spinoff after Stranger Things ends, that's cool. That's fine. That's cute. I would be so happy for you. If you bring back the original cast and maybe some new cast members, that sounds great. But for me and my eyes and my sanity, we will be, we will be, you know, I'm waiting for season three of Royal Young Royals. All right. That's, <laughs> What I'm waiting for. All right. That's what she's doing. Yeah. <laughs> mm, yes. I will definitely be watching. If they do a spinoff of any kind, mm-hmm. I will definitely be watching. I I love how they ended it. And I love that it's like closed ended on the story that we saw, but open ended to new things potentially. I would be interested in them doing a series. If it's set in present day, that would be cool. I mean, obviously that with them sending it in 94 and then 78 and then 66, it does leave it open for a possibility for there to be a modern day version of the show, which would be cool because a lot of the characters would be adults in that circumstance since it is like 30 years later. So it would be interesting to see, um, you know, that story being told if that is something that they do decide to move forward with but netflix can be iffy with spinoffs you know what i mean because i remember when the queen charlotte spinoff was first announced and then netflix was like mm, i'm not sure if we're gonna do it we'll see like COVID 19 like, uh, and then it did come out and now they're thinking about doing a season two but even from like the jump it wasn't 100 sure this was gonna go off smoothly like without a hitch so Spin-offs are possible, but I don't know if they're really, like, going to, like, put that into effect. You know what I'm saying? I would be into, like, if they did eight episodes, one episode is each of the killers kind of thing. Like, I'd be mm-hmm. into that. Then maybe in the last episode, kind of bring us to present day or something like that. I, I would be into that because I feel like there's much opportunity with the other shady side killers and to see like what they were up to when they were at large i would definitely be tuned in for that for sure i wouldn't be surprised if they did do a spinoff because um you know netflix had mike flanagan with like the haunting of hill house haunting of blind manor uh midnight mass with the midnight club and then recently the fall of the house of usher which is coming out on the 12th i think 
they obviously had like Mike Flanagan as like their go-to horror series guy and then they canceled Midnight Club so then he signed a deal with Amazon Prime and I think The Fall of the House of Usher is the last series he's doing with Netflix and he's gonna start producing shows with Amazon Prime. He already has picked up a show. It's going to be like a book adaptation. I forget what the book is, but I'm sure if you Google like Mike Flanagan, Amazon Prime, you'll figure it all out. You also hear the details of like how Netflix was kind of like, oh yeah, we're just going to cancel Midnight Club because like we don't think that this did as well as The Haunting of Hill House and Blind Manor, which is hard to follow up because those are two very well done shows. And even Midnight Mass was kind of like a sleeper hit, but it was still pretty popular and well done. But that's so different from like the haunting series and then midnight club was like trying to be like stranger things with young kids but also like still bringing in like the mike flanagan horror tied into grief and human connection and like you know bringing in like very tragic uh storylines and like also bringing in the same kind of actors and characters well actors mainly that he uses in his previous series so with them losing mike flanagan as like their horror series kind of guy and the stranger things about to end it could be possible that revisiting fear street would be something that's profitable to them if they're looking to fill that slot that they originally had um is it 100 percent certain no i'm just speculating i'm just throwing that out there um, if anybody who works at Netflix decides to run with this idea, you better pay me my money, run me my coin, give me my check, all right? Best believe I will be asking for that money, all right? I'm not patient like the WGA. I will get my coin, all right? Best believe it. But, you know. Right, Monica's pulling up to your house with the meat grinder. For... Right. <laughs> right. Not the meat grinder, but, like, you know, I'm, I may, you know, send a very strongly worded email and you know if there's something in my netflix terms of agreement that says that if i throw out a random idea that netflix could take in they i can't be sued i'm gonna be very pissed you know because no one reads the sorts of conditions we're gonna have to make a deal with the devil in that case we're gonna have to take matters into our own hands here and the book out i mean i might have to take my matters into our own hands without doing that because we've seen the consequences of that girl you know we learn from our mistakes we watched that movie. <laughs> we know how that ends. All right. And I'm good. Me and my generations, we good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that was Fear Street. Are there any other things you would like to say um, to just kind of like wrap it up? Any final thoughts and like, you know, comments? Um, I feel like my la- the last thing I would want to say would just be like to give credit to the music the score and the editing of the of movie course, i feel yeah. like those are probably the major components of the film that really tie it all together because each film is so different mm-hmm. so to make it so cohesive through the editing i feel like is a really really big feat and was probably a really big challenge especially i can't imagine how much footage they had to comb through with like all of these movies being filmed back to back it was probably like one of the craziest jobs ever so I think the, the editor's name, her name is, gosh, I had it here somewhere, but she does an incredible job and and it's a woman too, which is just goes, plays off the fact of like, you know, supporting these female characters. Her name is Rachel Goodlett Katz. Mm-hmm. And um, there was, like we said before, we feel like the pacing was just on point the whole time. There wasn't un- any unnecessary fluff, any moments where we felt like, you know, why am I watching this kind of thing? 
So definitely credit where credit is due in that respect. And then again, the seamless transitions from film to film, I, I just love. So all the credit to her and all the credit to the composers as well. I know that the composer, I think one of them is Michael Beltrami and he's done like a bunch of different blockbuster movies. So to have him come on board for this, I'm sure was a really big deal and it paid off because I love the music in this movie. So I think those more technical aspects to the film really helped elevate it and make me love it that mm -hmm. much more. Yeah, I 100% agree. And that is definitely a huge part of horror films. It's a technical aspect of the movie, especially with like editing, styling, lighting, and music and score. You know, that really does tie into like the cinematic experience of watching a horror film and experiencing it, you know? Um, one movie that I did see, it wasn't recent, it was a while ago, but it was basically like the Candyman remake. There were some technical aspects of the film that I did like. Overall, the movie wasn't my favorite film, but I did watch it and overall I was kind of like, okay, I'll give this like a B minus. You know, I see what you're trying to do. I see what you made here and interesting concept. I like the retelling and you know what, I'll, I'll give you credit where credit is due. Like Nia DaCosta, Jordan Peele, I feel like are a great team of people. Me personally, I feel like Candyman would have been better as a TV series, just with the story they're trying to tell. Probably would have been better suited for a longer format rather than like an um, uh, hour and 30 minute movie. But there were some things in the movie that they did that I liked. Like, um, if you guys don't know the story of Candyman, um, it's basically about this man who gives kids candy and he kills them. You say his name five times in the mirror and then like, you done, essentially. And the retelling of the movie and the classic is kind of like a reimagining as well and there's this character in the movie where he starts to kind of like become separated from himself um and there's a scene where his girlfriend kind of comes into the bathroom and she's like checking in on him and he kind of like closes the door on her to like try and push her out and he's like leaning on the counter and then he stands up but his reflection doesn't his reflection is still like leaning over and that's one thing that i saw in the movie i was like oh that's kind of cool. Like you're kind of seeing that like this slow descent in his mind and like his like, sp like how he's kind of like losing a little bit of himself in the film. And then there was this one scene in the movie where a woman is like killed, but when you're watching it, the camera kind of like pans away because when you're in the scene in the film, you know, she's going to die, but she doesn't know. So the camera starts pulling away, but you can see it happening and the camera keeps zooming out and out and you see like the skyline and like the city and everything in it. But by the time you see the city, you already know that she's dead. And I felt like it was a really interesting way to show her murder. Because of course in like horror films, like in the murder when it happens, you're there, you're in it, you're watching it. You're like, you're, you're seeing like the person pass away. But in this the camera's trying to withdraw you from what's happening, even though you kind of understand it and it's like pulling you away from it. I thought it was super interesting. And I like those different, um, different technological feats that horror movies do. Like, you know, X, I love that movie. Also Pearl is a really good movie with the music and the styling of that. And also like The Invisible Man, I feel like is a really interesting horror movie and also leans a lot on the technical aspect of that film because the murderer is something you cannot see, okay? And that really does feed into like the hysteria and the fear that you watch in that movie. And this one makes it so 
good. And Elizabeth Moss deserved an Oscar nomination for that movie as well. Okay. The amount of horror movies that have come out that have been so good. Uh, Invisible Man. Talk to me. Us. Okay. <laughs> and for them to get nothing at the Oscars. Pearl as well. Okay. Mia Goth deserved. Okay. You cannot tell me anything different. She's a phenomenal actress. Oh, I'm tired of yeah. them being ignored. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. So that was Fear Street. Our review of the trilogy, guys. Um, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Um, yes. Also, I have to say, like, I don't know what it is, but like young people in horror films, I feel like make it more fun. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. it's yeah. weird to see so many horror films with young kids in it because people die. So, of course, the kids are going to die. You kind of have to come to terms with the fact that, like, one of the kids may die. But it's also kind of like almost a coming-of-age film at the same time where you're watching it. Like, imagine that being, like, the one experience that helps you realize who you are as a person. That there's a serial killer loose in your town, and it's up to you to kill them. Like... Yeah, it totally is coming-of-age film, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Do love. Um, as for any of the podcasts, is there anything that you've been watching recently that you would like to recommend to my listeners? Anything that you've seen that is kind of, like, stuck with you, made you happy, made you sad, or something that you'd be like, mm, maybe don't watch this. You know what I mean? Um, I definitely... Well, the, some of the movies that you just mentioned are some of my favorite horror movies of the last few years. Like Pearl, for example, is an incredible film. Anyone who has not seen that needs to see it right away. Mm-hmm. And same with The Invisible Man. The Invisible Man, again, we could probably have another two-hour show just talking about how much yes. I love that film. <laughs> so good. And I yeah. feel like that was another thing that kind of just flew under people's radars. Um, from the opening scene to the last scene, like it's just such a brilliant film. Um, I've seen a lot of hype around a new movie that's coming out in November called Thanksgiving. That is a slasher film that takes place on Thanksgiving and it's all like really? Thanksgiving themed. Like people are being killed with like all of like the Thanksgiving utensils, like the turkey baster and like all that stuff, which is hilarious. Um, but it's not a comedy. Um, the movie I mentioned before, it's called Hell of a Summer. That's Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things and one mm-hmm. of his friends, Ryan. I forget his last name. I think it's Ryan Brick. Um, that's their duo directorial debut and it's also a summer camp flasher and it's really really good it's horror comedy more leaning to comedy but it has the same kid who plays simon from white lotus um Mm -hmm. that we were talking about before he's the main character in the movie and that was like they really secured something with that because he brings so much heart to the film and it's so much fun to watch because he's in it and there's also a lot of uh, fun commentary on the kills in that movie especially Mm -hmm. because like what we were just saying the entire cast is all young people they're all like the camp counselors um so that's also something that i would recommend i don't know what the plan is for the release because i watched it at tiff um but wherever it comes out please watch that you know there's another movie that's coming out that i screened at tiff as well it's called when evil lurks it's an Mm -hmm. argentinian horror film and talking about kids not being safe oh my god the kids are not safe in this movie either like 
it's it's really like uh i would equate it to talk to me in terms of how gutless it is in how it treats its characters and mm-hmm. um a lot of the camera work in that movie is really stellar uh there's no quick cuts like all the scenes are very long single camera like it's very visceral so i would definitely check that one out as well if you have the stomach for it because there's a lot of body gore in that as well um and then one movie i would steer people away from watching is probably the new exorcist movie i just screened that oh, one pretty recently oh yeah it's not it's not good at all mm-hmm. i mean there are probably some good parts to it i did a whole breakdown on my TikTok explaining what I liked and what I didn't like. Mm-hmm. But I would say, for the most part, save your time, save your money. The same guy that did the latest Halloween franchise is the same guy who did the new Exorcist movie. So if you didn't like the new Halloween movies, which a lot of people didn't really like the new Halloween movies. Yeah, like only the first one was really good, to be honest. The first one was great. Yeah. The second one, Halloween kills, Halloween ends, throw it in the bin. Don't yeah. even know what they were doing. And it's the same energy for the Exorcist believer. So for anyone listening that's saying, like, I want to spend my hard-earned money watching that movie, please save it for something else. Or at least wait until it's streaming. Because yeah. Because it's really, it doesn't hit the way that you are expecting it to hit. Because it's a sequel to one of the greatest horror movies of all time. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Okay. That would be my sense. That, that, those are going to be the things that I would recommend or not recommend, for sure. Okay, awesome. I would have to say... Um... One show that I would recommend, because I've been watching a lot more TV than movies, is Shrinking on Apple TV. And it is basically, it's a show about this guy. He's a therapist. And um, he's played by Jason Siegel. And um, basically his wife passes away. So he's trying to figure out how to like connect with his young teenage daughter. And also be good at his job, which is giving people therapy when his life is so messed up. And it's actually a really funny show and it's heartwarming and Harrison Ford is in it. And I feel like um, Harrison Ford perfectly plays himself in this show. And it's a lot of fun. It's actually really sweet and funny and heartwarming and very sincere. And it did take me, it did take me a little bit to get into the show really because I like Jason Siegel, but I haven't seen him in anything other than like How I Met Your Mother and then like the Muppets movie. So seeing him in this role is was like kind of it's a little bit different, but he's still kind of playing to his uh, strengths in this role, and it's a pretty good show. Like I really did enjoy it. I liked it a lot. I thought it was fun, and I would recommend it to anybody who is looking for something to watch on Apple TV because I have Apple TV, um, and I've had it for a while now. And with every streaming service I have in my mind, I'm like, okay, if I'm paying for this. I need to have something that I like watching on this. Otherwise, I'm going to stop paying for it. And Apple TV actually has some good shows on there. Like Foundation is a show that people have recommended to me a lot. So I might check that out. And also Hijack is a new show on there with um, Idris Elba, which I may check out soon. So Shrinking was one thing that I saw on there. Because, of course, I watched Ted Lasso because it's what everyone recommends. I didn't watch the last season because I usually avoid the last season of shows because I'm like, it's either going to be amazing and I'm going to be sad or it's going to be lackluster and that's going to waste my time. So I just decided not to because by the second season of the show, I was kind of like, this is wholesome and it's fun and I like it. But at the same time, do I like the show or do I have nothing else to watch? You know what I mean? Like, I was kind of iffy about Ted Lasso because like it's wholesome and I enjoy it. But at the same time... I could be watching something else. Like, if something else came along... Well, speaking of Apple TV, yeah. you should check out the show 
the changeling i don't know if you've seen or yes heard it. i have seen that trailer and i do need to watch it yeah I, add that to the list because i watched the first few episodes and it's one of those like it's kind of like shelter doesn't make mm. sense everything's discombobulated in the beginning you have no idea what's going on you have an inkling that some things are connected but nothing is really adding up right. it's one of those mm. if, if i feel mm. like if anyone listening or you yourself finds that interesting it's really good and of course lakeith is an incredible actor so anything that yeah. he's in he's gonna blow yeah. out of the water but mm -hmm. just speaking of apple mm -hmm. tv that sparked my memory about that show yeah I it's still going i don't think it's over yet. oh I yeah yeah yeah, yeah there you're right there are still a few episodes left in that and i do need to watch it and there's one show i watched on apple tv too called bad sisters which i have recommended before which i'll recommend again because sharon hogan is the lead actress in the show and she was also in um catastrophe a name is on prime which is one of my favorite shows ever it is hilarious catastrophe and amazon prime is about um a guy and a, a man and a woman they have a one night stand and the woman is pregnant and the guy lives in america the woman lives in the uk the guy decides to pick up his life and live move in with her to help her raise the kid and they don't get married they're together and the show is hilarious like it is dark comedy dirty comedy like fully all the way there and it's one of my favorite shows ever also carrie fisher is in the show just like She's just in there, you know, as his mom. And I fully, like, when I saw her in there, I was like, oh my gosh, it's my girl. Hello. So it's really, really good. Um, I don't, I think there are some shows that I have watched that I would not recommend, not not recommend, but like kind of, not avoid really, but, um, oh, another show I recommend, What We Do in the Shadows, because the most recent season came out and it's still good it's still so good so funny fresh one of my favorite shows out here and i was so happy that it was good because it's based off a mockumentary that taika with tt released in 2014 and a lot of times when they re they like you know do like a what is it not reboot but when they like do a spin-off of a movie into a tv show sometimes i'm like mm, is this gonna work but then i remember it's taika with tt and i should i should never question his vision or his talent like that is that's a big mistake on me the show is still so good five seasons out on hulu now um and also sex education released our last season and i am watching it currently and i do want to say i did start re-watching sex education just so i could watch the last season and it's very clear that they upped the budget on the last season of the show which i don't think makes it bad but i do think there are some new things introduced into the last season that are kind of like okay i see that and there are some criticisms that have been brought up about the show that are brought up in the last season like how otis has his friend eric who is a black gay man but he never really addresses how like eric how eric lives his life and how otis lives his life are very two different things and it is purely based usually like mainly on like the color of their skin and their sexual orientation and they never really talk about that or discuss that like I can't remember in sex, sex education if Eric told Otis that he got jumped or if he really like, he talked about it, he mentioned it, but if they really dove into like how that made him feel, you know, like how that affects him, you know what I mean? Um, but the last season is out and I think I'm almost done with the last season. I would have to say 
it's kind of like it's petering out a little bit for me but you know i want to wrap it up i want to be done and i love the show i love the characters i love the cast and yeah um but i, think... I did watch it i'm uh -huh. not gonna spoil anything but i did <laughs> i did like how they wrapped it up okay and like just what you're saying about otis and eric like that, that they do they do something with that so mm -hmm. yeah. I, I really liked how they ended at the very end the way it wraps up especially with amy mm. amy's character arc oh my god chef's kiss like you could not have wrapped it up better i loved how they did her arc specifically same with ruby mm -hmm. oh my god i'll bow down to that woman she's such a great character Love they wrote her. her so well mm -hmm. so just keep keep uh keep keeping on because i feel like it'll be worth it in the end that's my yeah. opinion and one movie that i actually don't recommend which I kind of feel bad for saying this, but Red, White, and Royal Blue, I kind of hated that movie. I, okay, you didn't like it either? Thank God. Oh my gosh. I didn't even make it through the first 20 seconds. Of, I didn't even make it until the next character was introduced. I don't, like, it started, he was talking, and I was like, I don't know what is on my TV right now that needs to burn. You know and when I, you're I, watching a movie probably. and you're hearing someone like act and you're like, okay, no, I'm done. Not acting. <laughs> like, like, I don't know. I don't know what they were trying to, they, that is like one of those movies that they made. It's like one of those horny fever dreams that they made to reach their quota and they were trying to get an audience and I just, catastrophes. Speaking of catastrophes, Red White and Royal Blue did not, did not start, did not finish will not continue i got Correct. to the part in the movie i think it was like the middle where the blonde guy is like crying in front of like the brown haired dude and i was kind of like oh so this is why you were in cinderella okay no idea got it not a clue got it got it because like the guy who's in red right royal blue nicholas i can't say his last name apparently he's like russian royalty that's what that's what the streets are saying apparently but he was in purple hearts <laughs> which was the movie about the conservative military dude who was into like the latina girl from um camila mendez for riverdale and then he was in oh my gosh he was in bottoms which is really good love bottoms you guys should go see it it's amazing okay. yes yeah, same and then he was in cinderella he's been in a lot of big movies like, I think, I don't know, okay, I don't want to say this because it's mean, but sometimes people get casted at these because they're hot, you know? I want to say he's a good yeah. actor because I did like him in Bottoms. I think he was actually really good in Bottoms. But That's so different. Yeah. Oh, like, the, the, the acting in Bottoms was just, like, especially his character. So unserious. I'm not saying that it's not hard, but yeah, it's so surreal, so unserious. To put him in a serious role, I feel like it, it just hits plays differently you know mm. yeah it doesn't hit it doesn't hit. it doesn't especially when he was like crying to him and like trying to like show emotion i was like this is too much emotion for me like have you seen the clip of them on the the little um thing like in the water on I the lake i have not seen a single second beyond okay. the first of that movie not not because like i hate it or anything like that like i just i did not find any interest in starting it up again after what yeah. i saw i just thought it was such a yeah i don't know not for me not for yeah me. 
there were I did watch like reactions because I wanted to see if other people didn't like it and there are people who are watching it and they're like oh this is actually really sweet and like mushy and like I can see that it's bad but like I enjoy it and I'm sitting here like I can't this I can't suspend my belief enough to watch a movie like this is more than an hour long like I yeah, like I love bad movies. Don't get me yeah. wrong. Like I, I'm not some hoity-toity, highbrow moviegoer. Like I love bad movies too. But that movie was more than bad. Mm. It was problematic. Mm. It was just no. It was not. It was not giving what they set out to do. How is it that you have Uma Thurman and Stephen Fry in your movie, and yet and you fumble? Yeah, I don't know. I was like. I remember, um, I don't know how much money they spent on that movie, really, but like the too set, much. whatever it was, too much. <laughs> the set design they put in that for the Oval Office was not enough. Like even Scandal was better, and Scandal's network television. Y'all are on Amazon Prime. Like you put a little bit of effort into it. Why are the walls so bare? Just like a random picture of Harry Tubman in the back. It's like, girl, please, you're from Texas, okay? Please be so for real right now. If you're a Democrat, you at least are in the center. Like, don't even do that to me. Don't even. Sojourner Truth, yes. Harry Tubman, come on. Okay, uh, sure. You're kind of making me want to watch it now just so I can film a reaction and just <laughs> absolutely drag it. That's well, kind of what I want to do. I, I, I really tried because, you know, there is this sort of trifecta of like queer media out now. Heartstopper, Young Royals, Red, White, Royal Blue. And of course, Bottoms has now entered into the um, library of all the queer media that's coming out currently. So I wanted to give Red, White, and Royal Blue a try because once I finished Heartstopper, people recommended Young Royals. And I watched that and I liked it. So when someone was Young Royals, everyone recommended Red, White, and Royal Blue. And I knew it was based off of a book because I've seen it in like my Amazon recommended before and I've wanted to read the book for the longest time. So I was like, you know what? Book to movie adaptations are usually pretty okay. Um, you know, minus the kissing booth, which was a disaster and we don't need to talk about, but it turns out red, white, red, white, and royal blue is the queer kissing booth. Apparently. Cause I mean, like, I'm not going to lie. I'm glad there's like an open conversation about a safe sex in this movie. And there are some steamy scenes in there, I will say, um, which is fun to watch. But in terms of the story, I don't know. Also, it's like the president's son and then like the prince or like the Duke of England are in a relationship. Y'all know that this would be like, y'all are sneaking around for real and nobody caught you at this point? Really? Nobody knows that he's a little fruity? No one? Please. Be so free right now. Have you seen American politics? Like, everybody's on everyone's business all the time for no reason when you all should be writing laws to help people, and yet you are causing a mess. Y'all just found out because one journalist, like, hooked up with him once and got jealous and, like, decided to... No. As if. As if. I don't believe you. Sorry. Yeah. Um, Red, white, and royal blue... If you like it, I love it, but I didn't love it. I, in fact, did not like it at all. And I want Amazon to stop recommending that movie to me. I already gave it a try, Amazon. I'm not finishing it. Take it out of my recommended, please. The algorithm was wrong on that one. Sorry. Sorry. So, yes. 
There um, you have it. There you have it. <laughs> there you have it. Guys, uh, I want to thank Jorgen for coming on the pod. It was such a delight, such a pleasure to have you on. Um, the second we started on our... So much fun. <laughs> we literally talked about every movie ever. And I feel like we could keep going for hours and hours. It's like, it was so much fun. Thank you for having me. Yes. And when we went on like the first tangent... When you started talking about talk to me, I was like, okay, we're in it now. We're going. We're going. <laughs> we're going all the way, baby. All yes. the way. Yes, we are. Uh, guys, uh, Jerkin, where can people find you? Um, what do you? Uh, what are you doing here on the interwebs? Yeah, so you can find all of my long-form reviews on jergensosa.com. You can find all of my video reviews on my TikTok, which is at featuring jergs. Um, and then you can also find me on Twitter, same thing, featuring jerks, and Instagram, featuring jerks. If you like, uh, if your video content's not your thing, you just want to read something really quick, I do short form reviews on my Instagram all the time. Okay, awesome. And guys, his links will be in the description down below. Thank you all again for joining us on another episode of I've Been Meaning to Watch That. Don't forget to follow us on social media on Instagram and TikTok. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter. Uh, join the Patreon where you get exclusive behind the scenes uh, little uh, treats and trinkets and stuff. Uh, access to full VODs and early access to uh, recordings of podcasts as well. And Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Tell your friends and family about your new favorite podcast. I've been meaning to watch that. And thank you again, Jorgen, for coming on to the pod. And we'll see you guys next week for another episode. Bye. Woo! Bye, everybody. <laughs>